VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. It's showtime. Welcome to the VHS Files Podcast with Jenny Lou. So what do you want to do tonight? Jason. What about pizza and movie night? Eric. I want to rent a movie. And Josh. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. And this is the movie of the week. Get this pizza movie night started. Welcome back to the VHS Files, where we watch movies and we talk about them and we make memories. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing great, Josh. Thanks for asking. It's fucking raining. <laughs> make it stop. It's not raining where not I'm raining at. Where I'm at in sunny Florida. Exactly. I don't live in the Sunshine State. I live in Texas, where give me five minutes and it may be snowing. You never know. Just because he gets one good big bad snowstorm this year, he's. It's going to be snowing. Hey, I loved it. I loved it. I was uh, ice and snow everywhere. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, everybody else in Texas hates me for it. But All right. Well, we spun the wheel of movies last week, and we landed on RoboCop. The movie of the week. We've got a volunteer. The body is on the way. Sure. Wool Detroit has a cancer. <laughs> cancer is crime. Turn and roll. As you know, we've entered into a contract with the city to run local law enforcement. We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? We get the best of both worlds, onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. Hey, Lewis, it's Supercop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. What are they going to do, replace us? Murphy, it's you. Go get him, boy. Thank you. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Anything you say may be used against you. You better back up, pal! Your move, creep. The future of law enforcement. RoboCop. Thank you for your cooperation. Love RoboCop. (laughs) RoboCop is definitely a movie that has a special place in my heart, but directed by Paul Verhoeven, uh, released in, uh, 1987, July 17th, 1987. We're in 1987 again. I feel bad for Eric. Cause he's going to have to deal with 1987 again. Fifth time, five times. All right. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven's previous work and from 71 to 83, uh, he's a Dutch filmmaker. So he made a f- bunch of Dutch movies at that time, but kind of broke into the um, American movie mainstream with a movie called Flesh and Blood starring Rutger Hauer, um, and then got RoboCop. After RoboCop, he'd go on to do Total Recall, Basic Instinct, the infamous Showgirls. Still my favorite movie. Starship Troopers. (laughs) Uh, No, this is your favorite movie, Hollow Man. And um, most recently, a movie called L, which I haven't seen but have heard really good things about, and I want to see it very badly, and I haven't had a chance to watch it just yet. But 
So, uh, RoboCop budget of thirteen point seven million. Did anybody besides Jason do their research? What was the box office? I did not. Per usual, <laughs> Jenny. Do any research for this show? <laughs> What's research? Oh, I watched the movie. Uh, fifty-three point four, Josh. Dollars? Fifty-three point four. No. I'd say it was a success. Dollars. Yeah, it made fifty-three dollars. That's why it's a cultural phenomenon <laughs> because it made fifty-three dollars <laughs> at the box. <laughs> oh boy. So we've mentioned these movies and actually talked about these movies in the past, but it was released amongst the likes of Adventures in Babysitting, Revenge of the Nerds Part 2, Summer School, La Bamba, and Lost Boys. So we've talked about two of the two of those movies on the podcast so far. And uh, most notably, again, uh, something else that we've talked about in the past, and it's going to be kind of prominent in this discussion, is Rob Bottin did the effects for this movie. Uh we talked about him a couple weeks ago in American World for London and also The Thing. So he's back in our graces. Six degrees of separation for him and uh, John Carpenter. You know, we just can't get away from John Carpenter we on this show. John Carpenter. But of course, let's see what Eric has for us this week. Take us back to 1987. We're sending you back in time. <gasps> Whoa, this is heavy. Well, Josh, uh, here's a relevant bit of 1987 history a robbery suspect hid in a movie theater to escape the police he became so interested in the film he didn't notice the police had evacuated the theater and surrounded him that film <laughs> robocop yes no are you yes. serious nice <laughs> yes uh, that is yeah. great. Uh, a call on your newfangled cellular phone in 1987 would cost you about 50 cents per minute. Our average Zoom call here would cost each of us about $90. Uh, hey, guys, wow. do you know what the fastest cell provider is? Sprint. <laughs> <laughs> you... What's with the bad jokes? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I love it. Did you know why the Italian guy's cell phone bill was so high? Uh, It's because he was Roman. (laughs) (laughs) You get a double dose tonight, everybody. He's here all week, folks. Hey, you guys know what kind of phone the Hunchback of Notre Dame has? It's a uh, quasi-Motorola. Oh, my God. He's on a roll I know. I really am. (laughs) Make him stop. I got to say, I really like the reception I'm getting on these jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. sorry. Okay, moving on. Uh, People were glued to their TVs in 1987 watching a baby in a well. 18-month-old baby Jessica Mm. spent 15 hours stuck 22 feet underground. Uh, I remember that one personally. I don't know if you guys yep, did. Me too. That did that wild. happen in Texas? It did, uh, in fact. Uh, she was eventually rescued, of course, and apparently led a pretty normal life. I, I actually like looked up uh, you know, sort of an update on her, and she grew up, had kids, good stuff. So that's great. Nice. Uh, hey, you guys know what kind of phone Sauron has? <laughs> a Mordorola. <laughs> Whoever is giving him this on the internet, please stop. <laughs> I was going to say the flaming iPhone. Ah, that's good too. Josh, God damn it. 
Good job. Okay, One finally, phone let's get to some rule them all. Sweet tunes from 1987. Hit it, Josh. <laughs> my mom loves. Oh, mine too. Is this going to get you? too. I know this all the words to this car. <laughs> the whole this album. Was, yeah, this is a mom's car sound right here. You're driving the mom. That's what you're oh. It's gonna get you. Rhythm got me. <laughs> okay, we don't want to get a copyright strike. <laughs> Come on, me and Jenny were rocking it, dude. Really? Come on. You guys were. You were doing great. Well, Jason, you mentioned Baby Jessica happened in Texas. You know what also happened in Texas? All things awesome. This movie was actually shot in Dallas, Texas. Oh, that's right. Yeah. RoboCop was shot there. I actually found that out. I was looking through some behind the scenes stuff and they were going to do Houston, but uh, Dallas had more better buildings, like more modern style buildings that they could use. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I found it kind of funny. This is supposed to take place in Detroit was actually shot in Texas. So, well, let's get into some background a little bit. I know this is a big movie for me. Jason was very excited when the wheel of movies landed on this for this week. Uh, Eric, Eric, let's start with you. Let's talk about your history with RoboCop when you saw it, all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, this definitely was one I watched as a kid, uh, probably with my dad as many of these, you know, eighties action films were, uh, possibly a TV edit. It's interesting viewing it as a kid and viewing it as an adult and understanding kind of what's actually being the intent is and things like that, because you can certainly watch this movie as many people did as a surface level experience. And then you can also look at it as satire and, and see sort of the underlying messages and and things like that. Um, But I think it works as a basic action film, (laughs) even though it's sort of skewering 80s action in many ways it it also absolutely lives in that realm and works in that realm i think yeah so yeah it's interesting definitely surface level for me as a kid i mean it was just a fun action movie with some crazy effects uh love the look of robocop loved ed 209 uh jason i'm sure you're probably along the same lines there i mean uh, I, I saw some stuff in this movie that I'd probably never seen in a movie before, so it just engrossed me in that way. But Jason, how about you? How about what? What was your? What, what did you take from RoboCop as a kid? Well, I mean, I'm the old guy of the group, so I actually saw this. When I was like ten, and it was a, my mom loved this movie. I mean, shoot, I can't tell you how many times I watched it with my mom and not like my stepdad or anything. But I watched it unedited the first time I mm-hmm. saw it. It was a definitely a video store rental. We didn't go to the theater to see it. Uh, but I mean, as a kid, I mean, you, you're just taken in by like this guy is walking around. He's the freaking robot with the man's face. We find out later, but I mean, as a kid, shoot, I mean, you would imitate being RoboCop. You picked up a little plastic gun and you tried to do the little spinning thing and <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, but yeah, like Eric was saying, as a kid, you take it in. It's just a fun action movie, blood guts, all this great stuff going on. But as an adult, you you realize the adult things of it, of, like, 
just yeah. how the entertainment industry is trying to get you to do this, this, and this. The government is doing this, this, and this. You know, so as it is a definitely a different watch from being a ten-year-old to a forty-something-year-old. And right. you, it's you really get deeper into it. But yeah, it's just a fun uh, action movie. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the edited versions, TV versions. I I've heard at one time this movie was rated X. I would love to see the rated X cut. So, well, that's one thing I did want to bring up. Did, did anybody watch the director's cut of this? I did. Like, it, I didn't get it. Okay, because the the copy I had had the director's cut on it, and I couldn't watch the regular cut. So, I, Eric, do you know if you watched the director's cut or the regular cut? I think I watched theatrical. Okay. Uh, the only real difference is the director's cut has more violent stuff in it. So the death scenes that you see have a lot more gore in them. Oh yeah, I think than- I, <laughs> I think I did read something about that. That first uh, when Ed two hundred nine shoot mows down that guy, that goes on like way longer. <laughs> it yeah, already it's, goes it's a lot for a yeah. really long time, yeah, and like he just like is riddled with. It's a lot bloodier, and the death of Murphy is a lot bloodier, in the in the. Damn, I need to cut. see and this. There's a couple other things. <laughs> I want to see this. Um. I think you could probably find those cuts on YouTube, um, but yeah, that's that's the one that I have here. Uh, that's the one Jenny and I watched. Jenny, do you, do you recall the first time watching RoboCop? Do you have any fond memories of RoboCop? First time I watched RoboCop was with you. <laughs> yeah. um, so fond memory then. Yeah. No, I would never have been allowed to watch this, um, so I don't have any of those like dressing up as RoboCop kind of young boy. <laughs> fantasies that is you know kind of transfers over to why everybody has such fondness for this movie um yeah but that's one thing we talked about a little bit going into watching this one because on the surface level it is a very good action movie and can be regarded as just sort of a dumb fun action movie but the older i get and the reason i think i have such uh a grasp on this movie like I do is because of the satire and because of all of the underlying things that are going on within this movie. It's actually a very smart film. Yes. Very. very yeah. And I think it's still relevant. Very relevant. Right. Very much. I mean, talking about, uh, the militaries, militaries, militarization of police. Uh, I got it out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, police brutality and, money and 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 capitalism and its effect on our police forces and our government and things like that all that stuff's still very hot i mean as we all know that's a that's i mean and it's weird because this movie does make certain statements about that but i feel like it also relishes in some of the ultra violence a little bit where i don't know sometimes i think when somebody is kind of i think you can kind of use satire as an excuse to get away with embellishing things sometimes yeah i, I know where you're going so with like that. I, yeah. it, on one hand you can say oh this is genius he's skewering xyz but then on the other side it's like well he's also really just bathing in it <laughs> so it, i yeah. don't know it's weird but it's it's certainly an interesting piece of art and you know yeah. it certainly doesn't exist in any kind of reality either so you can't knock it too much yeah. for that i mean because you think about this and then you watch starship troopers 
there's a lot of similarities. It's very similar. Very yep. similar. Yeah. Like that. And he was still doing the whole thing with the satire thing, but it was ultra violent too. Yeah. So also one of my favorite movies. I'd like to get oh, to that. One. Could you get the sarcasm in her voice there? <laughs> oh. I've been trying to get Jenny to rewatch Starship Troopers for quite some time because I think. And I said I would. And I think it's because she watched it at a young age and just it's one of those that at a young age, when you watch Starship Troopers, you may not really cling on to what they're going for there. And having watched it in the past couple of years, it's very similar to this. It's almost like a. What would you call that? A spiritual <laughs> sequel to RoboCop in a way, because um, it has a lot of the same things going on the, the the framing with the news and the army stuff and all of that kind of thing. So I, I'm very interested to watch that, and we'll probably end up watching it for the podcast at some point. So it'd be fun to talk about that one too. I think Showgirls um, falls into that same one too. I mean, it's very. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough sell. Well, our buddies, our buddies at Not a Bomb podcast actually just did a an episode on Showgirls, and it is a very good episode. If you guys have not checked out Not a Bomb podcast, please go check them out. Subscribe, show them some love. Definitely. But their episode on Showgirls was very good, and honestly made me want to go watch Showgirls. I mean, they talked about it in depth, and it was a fun conversation. And I'm actually anxious to go back and watch that one as well. Paul Verhoeven has a very, very weird film. But he's done some movies that I really love, like Total Recall, um, which is another like you could do like a trilogy of Paul Verhoeven movies of RoboCop, Total Recall and Starship Troopers. Like you could watch those all three in a row and they would kind of all fit together. You know, yeah, I can see that. So that would, that would probably be a fun thing to do at some point. But uh, let's go ahead and get into RoboCop, though. I love that this takes no time whatsoever to just cut straight to a title card. You get that opening score, and then we're in the mix. We you cut. know what movie you're watching. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it pulls no punches. And that title but card like, is rad with the chiseled yes. metal and that theme, the RoboCop theme. The score yep. is awesome i love the robocop theme yeah i was gonna touch on that that the guy that did the uh thing for this did conan and iron eagle and lay lay miz he's done a lot of stuff but notably yeah i was gonna bring up he did the score for a movie we've already talked about on the show conan the barbarian and conan the destroyer which we'll eventually do speaking of total recall arnold was potentially gonna be robocop and rutger hauer they had him but then you can't put metal parts over all those big biceps or he's going to be like a big old <laughs> balloon boy. So you got to get a little it's skinny funny. boy to get under all that metal, right? I believe. There's a lot I would like to talk about as far as regards to this suit goes. And and it's it's funny that you bring that up. Yes, ori- originally Arnold Schwarzenegger, because of the success of Terminator, they went straight for him for this. A little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they... Decided that ultimately he would not be a good fit because, as Eric said, Balloon Boy, they thought he would look like the Michelin Man. (laughs) So they were like, that's not going to work too well. There were a lot of people that they were going for for this role. Um, Michael Ironside. Well, Rutger Hauer, because the guy who wrote this was inspired by Blade Runner because he was working on Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe that's why they were looking at Rutger Hauer, too. Well, Rutger Hauer was also in Paul Verhoeven's movie before this. So they had worked together. They had a working relationship. So it was just natural, one of the actors that he would have gone for. But ultimately, they go with Peter Weller. I could really see Ironside, too, just before we... Yeah, I mean, he's got that same kind of facial structure as... 
Paul Weller does or uh, Peter Weller does. Um, but ultimately, I like I like that they went with Peter Weller. I do too. We almost didn't get Peter Weller as RoboCop. Um, I was reading up about this, and so we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit to the costume. I love the reveal of the costume when it happens in the movie. Um, but just, since we're talking about it now, um, I got a little excerpt here I wanted to read, and it says RoboCop's costume was not finished until sometime into filming. This did not impact the filming schedule, but it denied Weller a month of costume rehearsal that he had expected. And Weller was immediately frustrated at the costume because it was too cumbersome for him to move around as he had practiced because he had practiced doing all these fluid robot moves that he would be doing in the suit. And um, he spent hours and hours trying to adapt to it, and he struggled. And um, ultimately, Verhoeven fired him because it wasn't working right. And he was so frustrated with working in the suit, but they had tailored the suit to Peter Weller. Mm -hmm. And they were originally like the, the, it was going to be fire Peter Weller and Lance Henriksen was going to be RoboCop. Whoa. They had, they had fired Peter Weller. Lance Henriksen was going to come in as a replacement, but because they had tailored the suit to Peter Weller, he was, they, they talked him into coming back in and it was a lot a, a lot of working around that. I think Peter Weller said that uh, it took al- almost 10 hours to get him in the full suit. Yeah, it's 10 to 12 hours, and there were six suits, cost a million dollars just for suits. That's crazy. So we cut right into the news broadcast here. And I love Lisa Gibbons! Lisa Gibbons. Gibbons. Tonight. Your face. <laughs> Perfect casting. Dude, that was, that was I, awesome. The framing of all of this with around the television show and the commercials we get throughout the movie is so great. But I remember that sticking out as a kid watching this movie is it seems so weird that these advertisements and newscasts were in this movie that I was watching. Yeah, it's hard to understand why they're there when you're a kid. You know, you're just like kind of waiting for them to be over because you just want to see RoboCop. But yeah, Mm -hmm. watching them now is, is pretty wild. I mean, obviously you're getting lots of information about the you know uh global politics and war and stuff going on it's just sort of thrown out like like any other piece of of entertainment news they very lightly touch on it even though it's awful um you also have what is basically space force (laughs) just (laughs) just a a little they were ahead of their time on that one you've got space force in this first uh news segment which is fun I just love the, the one th- commercial that comes on after that about the doctor, and you're talking about the artificial heart. And, and yeah. he goes and says, get a new heart from Jensen and Yamaha, now with yeah. an extended warranty. Get the new Yamaha. <laughs> and I'm like, God, is that, did this guy work at Circuit City too? Yeah, Yamaha <laughs> really is into everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly and truly, being from that world, I would not put a Jens, anything made by Jensen in my damn body. That shit you buy at Walmart. <laughs> I would go with probably the Yamaha. Do y'all have an Alpine or Kenwood maybe, but no, no Jensen. So, but it's funny that you could get it with an extended warranty. So, I mean, and payment plan, and payment plans. There you go. That was that. But ultimately what we're supposed to get from this is the, the kind of the, what OCP is Omnicorp. Um, I, all of this kind of went by the wayside as a kid. I do like the branding of OCP. That logo has always been something that has stuck in my head from oh, this yeah. movie. I agree. The it, it holds up. If you see that on the internet anywhere or anything in a post, you know that that's the RoboCop thing from OCP. Yeah. It's yep. like, That's brand recognition, friend. 
But we cut away from all of our newscast and our commercials and we're introduced to Murphy. A nice little introduction to him, where he's going to be working within Detroit. It's a very bad area. The police are overworked. They're overrun. Uh, There's talk of them going on strike, which is not really the conversation that their captain wants them to be having. I like that you get a lot here just in the conversations as he's walking through the precinct, how bad the crime is, all of that stuff. They're worried about their fellow cop that was shot on the job and he's in critical condition and everybody's checking up on him while this is going on. It really sets up this area quite well. Yeah, the information is introduced naturally, pretty naturally as, mm-hmm. as you know, people are just coming to work and moving around and there's lots of tracking shots, people mm-hmm. walking and talking and you know you don't feel like you're getting bogged down with too much information also i it's important to note that this is not in any kind of reality like villains like criminals are basically just like evil bad guys in this movie like they're not human Uh beings at all (laughs) um so you you know given that reality you you basically immediately side with the cops because they're basically the last line of defense between rapists and murderers mm-hmm. getting to the you know innocent people yeah well you have to side with them you think about it you have the big bad titan over here ocp and then you have the the bad guys which we're going to get into shortly so i mean you do have to root for these cops who are being shot up i mean right. Ferguson yeah. didn't make it as the sergeant tells him you know they were collecting for funeral expenses right cops are dying yeah yeah i mean they're they're i mean they talk about how many did they lose last week it was like yeah. the number was crazy so yeah you're definitely in today's world where we have a lot of problems with police and police brutality in this movie you're pulling for the cops well you know the, they're the real their world handed to them yeah the real world is very gray and there's yeah. every situation is different and it's very complicated but in the world of robocop it's very simple <laughs> the the criminals are bad and you gotta you gotta stop them and that's it well what I find most interesting about this is even though, yes, it's not in a reality, um, I like that they go forth with, you've got the surface level bad people, but there's also the above that. Mm-hmm. You start to find out throughout this movie, all of this crime, this is all one big circle. Oh, yeah. Um, Omnicorp is the ones feeding the criminals. And ultimately, you know, we find out much later in the film that, you know, Clarence Boddicker, who we're going to get introduced to here in a minute, is ultimately the guy who's going to be taking over New Detroit once they build Delta Delta City. Right. I mean, you're you're getting into gentrification here with Delta City, yeah. and and yeah, uh, Dick, uh, what's his name? Dick Jones. Dick Jones. Jones. Dick Jones wants to, uh, you know, basically fire up everybody and just destroy everything uh, so that he can build his pretty little city uh he he doesn't even care that ed 209 doesn't work and well that's also the other thing that i like is is dick jones is the senior vice president and you've got the old man i like that um, like that's that's he was referred to the old man yeah, i mean that's no his name, name. Yeah, that, yeah that's his credit no character name he's the old man I, hey can we just shout out to ronnie cox as dick jones because yeah. that dude plays the best yeah, I mean, there is nobody better for that role. I mean, God, no. so good. And he was he was known for good guy roles at this point in his career. I mean, he was just in Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. 
and like all of that stuff. So he liked, I remember I, I was doing a little, a little bit of research and he loved the fact that he was going to get to play this bad guy, this badass in this movie, because he was known for such good guy roles. But yes, he plays this part to a T and like, I, I couldn't imagine anybody else in this role. Seriously. Like it's so iconic to me. Like he's, he is like the ultimate bad guy here, but there is another one that we're going to get to here shortly. Um, uh, but we, we kind of skimmed over, you know, Murphy meets his partner, um, Lewis. Lewis, who is a female And she's a officer, badass, too. And she is a badass, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like her. Uh, I and like, it is love at first sight for Peter Weller when she walks in the room. She takes that helmet off, and it's so? like, dream weaver. <laughs> he is married, though. It's true, hey. but he... He's he noticed. You think it's a non-sexual attraction? Maybe just uh, this is the part. I don't know. In the in the original story, I think he uh, they were wanting to have where they had an affair, but they ended up going Mm -hmm. to him just being. I think it would have took away from him being the family man and him being the good guy. I don't think that would have added to the story. It would have just made it more convoluted, honestly. But all I know is that Peter Weller is not an attractive man. (laughs) Well, that's not and nice. I'm sorry that it's not nice. Like, he has no shot with her. Well, you know, I, I think Murphy comes from a far safer town or area. And he yes. comes in and sees Lewis and in this very dangerous place. And she's kicking ass. And I think he's I think he's really impressed by her police work. Yeah. Um, but also, we've got the co-ed locker room, which is kind of an interesting thing especially mm-hmm. now when we're looking at you know n- non-gender specific bathrooms and things like that <laughs> we've got the, we've got the co-ed locker room going and i read a thing about that the reason i guess in the 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 x cut or the one that josh maybe saw that there was a lot he wanted a lot more nudity in that scene and stuff like that because he was it wasn't just for hey i'm gonna show all these topless women he wanted to show that in the future that men and women, there would be a gender neutra- neutrality where they yeah. could change in the same uh, uh, rooms and stuff like that. And where women weren't oogled and like, oh, my God, look at her boobs or whatever, like that kind of stuff, where they respected each other as cops. And that's all they were. They weren't a man and a woman. They were cops. Yeah. And they just yeah. worked. So I'm trying I to remember. Cool that he was that far ahead in 1987. Have... I agree. Yeah, it is kind of becoming you know, we're getting kind of closer to that, but um, did they have that in Starship Troopers as well? I feel like they, there was like a co-ed. Yeah, I think they did. Well, they did. They had the um, showers. They all showered yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. All the yeah. men and the women did. Well, well, I mean, you've got Nancy Allen who's playing Lewis here and she was known for, you know, her, her, you know, feminine roles, the long blonde hair being very attractive at the time. And Paul Verhoeven, was like, no, we want her to cut her hair. We don't want her to be objectified in this. We want her to be just like, you know, she's gender gender neutral with all the other cops. And I think they said they sent her back for a haircut like six different times because he <laughs> just kept wanting it shorter and shorter. That's funny. Um, You're still too hot. Yeah, You're still too hot. Go get it cut again. She's <laughs> very pretty. I think at this time, the only thing I'd really seen her in was maybe Carrie. Yeah. Mm. But I, I I do remember I had no I had recognized her when she is introduced. But let's go ahead and talk about the boardroom scene. This is a pretty infamous scene in this movie. Um, we're introduced to Bob Morton here, who's who's kind of 
on the fence about what's going on and how they're trying to protect Delta City. And we really start to see how slimy these corporate people are, how they have no respect for human life whatsoever. It's really just about the bottom line and the dollar here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, you know, you're introduced to Bob, then we're introduced to Dick Jones. They kind of talk about him as we're going into this board meeting. Uh, but it's all about who's going to get this contract to, pro- to, to protect Delta City and how this is going to go. And um, so we get in the here, and this is where we're introduced to the Ed 209 robot, which I fucking love. Me too, man. <laughs> this robot design, I actually have like an eighth scale action figure of this thing because I love it so much. Um, they said that the, the design for this kind of came from like the look of a killer whale. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. you can't really like it has the the black dome or there's no eyes you can't really see where it's like omnidirectional so um, but that and the 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 stop motion work with it and everything I think still really works well even even now in 2021 like there are some shots where you can obviously tell that it was that it was placed into the shot afterwards and whatnot but ultimately when this thing turns on and the movements and everything are still very fluid and I love I love when we get introduced to this robot. Yeah. A, I mean, a the, big part of Ed 209 and Robocop working in this film is the sound design. Uh, yes. all the very little much. servos and like all these like all that sound stuff really sells whenever robot, you know, RoboCop's walking and his feet are so heavy his steps are goosh yeah. goosh goosh like all, all that stuff I mean, it really sells, you know, other than just a guy kind of clomping around in a suit or whatever. But I love all the sound design in this movie for, for all that stuff. I never really noticed until this watch how every time RoboCop is in a room or in a shot, there's this hum, almost like the power, whatever's powering yeah. him is so loud that you would hear it as he enters a room or, or whatever. And I never really noticed that too much before. But this time I was like, damn, they really went all the way with making sure that you know his presence is there. But ultimately, the Ed 209 freaks out, doesn't work. There's a quote-unquote glitch. You have 15 Um, seconds to comply. This presentation could not have gone worse. Yeah, and what's great about this is, it again, it shows how inhumane these people are. And even, I love when all of this goes down, this guy gets gunned down brutally, I mean, the squib work here oh, is... Dude. Oh, this movie is Squib City, bud. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But, and I think the biggest thing about this one, and I remember watching the theatrical cut as a kid a lot and, and, and noticing the difference here in the director's cut is you get the initial shots of the bullets piercing the guy and then he falls on a table and the director's cut, it cuts to the table and he just continues to open yeah. fire into the guy's they body. They do some of that in the theatrical and, as well. But yeah, yeah, he shoots him after he's already dead for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Before they can unplug it and get him. But after all this happens, I love that it cuts over to the old man at the head of the table and he just hangs his head in shame. And it's not, it's not that this guy was just brutally murdered in front of all of them. Dick walks over to him. He goes, I'm very disappointed. It's because this fucking robot didn't work <laughs> properly. Not the fact that they just killed one yeah. of their board members. And, and know, one like, of the more poignant, you know, satirical moments is Dick's reaction when he talks to Bob. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead. But the, the idea that he Dick doesn't care if it doesn't work. He just wants right. the contract. 
the contract makes the money. It, the goal is not to reduce crime or help humanity or do anything. No. It's simply to get the contract. None, nothing else matters. And that's the stuff that really clicks with reality. Well, uh, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, that is how things yeah. work. And contracts are made not really with the well-being of people always in mind and more really about money drives yeah. things. It's the and, bottom dollar, man. And uh, Yeah. Well, that's where we really start to get to the to the to the the inner workings of what's going on here. I mean, Bob is kind of in the same boat as, as Dick Jones. Bob's just a young Dick. Literally. He's just a smaller Dick. He's just a smaller Dick. Dick. He's just a smaller Dick. (laughs) (laughs) He still has, I think a notion of good in him. Whereas we, we find out later that Dick's his reasoning behind wanting this, this, uh, this contract is because he can control what he can do in that way. Mm-hmm. Ultimately where Bob's plan and why it's so bastardized as Dick says later is because there's still something there that is protecting people. Yeah. Whereas the Ed 209s are just something that Dick can control and still filter the crime that's coming in and out of the city. He tells this to Clarence later. I like that they set that up there. And even though I'm not really like I'm not on Bob's side once he gets the RoboCop initiative set up, but I think he still had a little bit of good going on there where Dick is just ultimately an evil person. Well, he's been doing it for so long. He's a senior Dick, literally. Yeah. You got senior Dick and Dick Jr. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wants crime to continue because that helps him make money. If you mm-hmm. solve the problem, then you're, you can't make money off of it anymore. Exactly. Right. I, but uh, you even get so, Bob or well, Bob's, he like you said he's still good, but him and what's his uh, is it Donald the the guy that's always walking around with him, the, their <laughs> I mean, other OCP executive guy. But yeah. they're in the elevator and he and he says too bad about Kenny and he says life in the big city. Yeah, I mean, I'm like damn. They, <laughs> they completely brush off his death. Yeah, poor I Kenny, mean, he just dead. But Bob knows when to jump on an opportunity. He he sees that Dick has just failed miserably, and he's like, "Well, hey, I've got an idea." And I've I've caught this a couple of times in the past few times I've watched this movie, and that's this one thing I love about RoboCop is I find more things the more I watch it. And you hear Bob talk about how they have strategically placed candidates within dirt, certain precincts of police force as candidates for the RoboCop project Hmm. Hmm. so ultimately like yeah you brought this up earlier it seems as though murphy comes from a place that isn't as crime ridden um and he doesn't really know how to take all this but he's still like a heroic cop they don't really delve too too deep into that but i think the reason he's so kind of stone-faced walking into to his new precinct is because he kind of he takes it head on and and he's he's a good cop He's in it to be a good police officer. I think he's a good person. Is he a good cop? Uh, I mean, they don't wait. We don't really get a good insight to that. He doesn't follow any kind of like protocols, logical protocol at all. I mean, he gets himself killed his first day out really because he's a bonehead. He doesn't stay with his partner. He get he 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 (laughs) just goes headstrong into a situation that he, he has no idea. I mean. Any trained cop well, would not do what Murphy does here. Ultimately, it's not Murphy who makes that decision, though. If you listen as they're driving up, and we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but he 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 tells Lewis to make the call. 
and Lewis decides to go into the still mill. Yeah, but he's all for it. Well, we're also dealing with this universe that they're setting up for us because the cops are so overrun with what's going on, they have to wait for backup. Well, it's going to be 45 minutes before they can deploy backup for these cops. So what are they supposed to do? Yeah, I can see your point on backup, but yeah, just basic, you've played paintball, you know, like... Don't just, oh, I've got one guy. I'm going to let my guard down because there's no one else here. Like, it's just a little silly that he he catches that one dude on the couch and he thinks he's good to go. And it's like, well, there's other people in here. You can't just stop paying attention to your surroundings. Anyway, (laughs) uh, minor, minor quibble. Before all this, they are called. I mean, we we get a brief shot of of, of humanizing Murphy here um, when... He's he's doing the gun twirl in front of Lewis and kind of talking about his kid likes this show and they do that. So obviously, if he's going to be a good cop, he's got to you know do the same things the cop on TV does for his kid. I, I do like that they they at least give us a little insight into Murphy here, and you know I would say they're telling us he's a good guy, he's a good cop, he's a good yeah, yeah. father. T.J. Laser like, man, T.J. Laser. Yeah. But they they go they go after this robbery that's ensue, and this is where we meet Clarence Boddicker and his crew. <laughs> crew. Boddicker has killed thirty one cops at this point. Yeah, he is a cop killer. Uh, his gang that he's with, I, just this whole smorgasbord of bad guys here. I love every one of them. Yeah, we're we're introduced to Clarence Boddicker here, and and if Dick Jones is the bad guy of this movie. Clarence is definitely his right hand. Um, I, I, I I freaking love this guy. He chews up the scenery in every scene he's in in this movie. He really does. He com- he completely just hams it up the entire time. N- interesting enough, when he got the script for this movie, he thought it was very silly and really wasn't into doing it. And he kind of took the character a different path than what the script initially wanted. They wanted him to just be this, like, all-muscle, you know, bad guy. And he kind of took him a little, a different path and kind of a little bit smarter, but a lot more, you know, uh, Joker-ish, I guess you would say. Like, yeah. he's very methodical. and He is kind of uh, Joker-ish, yeah. You've got this whole scene of them in the back of the truck. He's pissed off because the guy burnt the money, blowing the <laughs> lock off of the safe. Was that, um, that was Bobby. Yeah, Bobby did it. Yeah. But... They find out the cops are on them or, you know, you've got Emil who's driving. You've got a couple other people in the back. Um, we'll talk about some of these guys a little later when we do Almost Famous. But uh, this whole this whole car chase, sh- you know, shootout with them is great. I love that, you know, because he burnt the money, Bobby is expendable to Clarence now. So it's like, you know, I... I can you fly, Bobby? And they just <laughs> throw his ass out the window or out of the back of the truck to, to, to cause a diversion. Yeah, it definitely shows you of like how like how far Boddicker will go. You know, he is cutthroat. Yeah, like, yeah, like he will do anything. You can't, you know, you you don't know what he'll do next, kind of a thing. You know what? It reminds me of the beginning of Dark Knight when Joker shoots one of his own guys. Remember? Yeah. Just yep. you know, talking about Joker. Anyway. But this this kill scene with Murphy, uh, I remember this sticking out as a kid because of how brutal it is. And this is another scene that was cut down for the MPAA, probably led to the X rating that they originally had. 
Um, but it, a lot of it is in the director's cut. Um, but that initial shot where, you know, they get the better of Murphy, um, Lewis lets her guard down. We, t- we, we touched on this a minute ago. Yeah, she, was- <laughs> she finds Joe taking a leak in the still mill. Cox. And decides his, name, the- his name is Cox for a reason because she was staring at his cock. <laughs> yeah. She had to take a peek. She had to take a peek and ultimately that got her knocked off the. This is so unrealistic. Lesson learned. You mind if I zip if she, this up? I'm sorry. Like, she's too badass for this. Like, she would not make that well, mistake. I don't know. Maybe he had something there she hadn't seen before. Yeah, no. you never know. She's like, damn it, man. Okay. But that, I love, and I love that character of Cox. I love that laugh and his sense of humor. I yeah. love him through this movie. It's so funny. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm keen on his sense of humor per se, but I love his laugh. Yeah. It's definitely wait. You love his laugh? Yeah, I love I mean, that he, laugh. It's freak- it's only in there just enough. Like it's not in there so much that it's annoying. No, it's too much. This, this nah. might come up later, Jenny. This uh, might come up later. Okay. Finally, Clarence comes into the room, and they get the better of Murphy because yeah, he did go in and try and take things on in his own in his own right. Um, but we get that initial. Dead or right. alive, you're coming with yeah, me. I have to say, that's an iconic line, and that's what helps him later in the movie. Mm-hmm. You hear that many times. So I, that kind of plays into him being this hero cop and, and all of that stuff, which ultimately leads to his downfall here. But, again, Kurtwood Smith chewing the scenery here. You know, cops don't like me. So I, so I don't, I don't like, like cops. cops. Like, he... Every, his line delivery, his body movements, everything in this just works to the T for me. Name another um, movie where every guy in the crew has a shotgun. I, I can't think of one, <laughs> but all these dudes have a shotgun. I mean, they are shotgunned out. Like, Dude. I, I can't think of another movie that right. everybody's got a shotgun. All right. Yeah. this is Well, they're called the shotgun game. Are they? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> all right. I know and, uh, me and Josh talked about this, about him. I mean, later in... Uh, life we see uh kurt would go on to do the dad red foreman at the 70s show yep but yep. that whole thing of him going even the first time episode i ever saw that 70s show that's all i could hear every time i see him is give the man a hand well give the man a hand yeah that's that's great dude but that shot of him shooting Murphy's hand oh. and how it just kind of sprays out as it as it yeah. oh like what kind of gun is this the shotgun well <laughs> that's where we're again have to like detach reality here I because guess. shotguns would not do the precision yeah. shit that this does here but in the theatrical cut I believe it cuts away pretty quickly as they shoot his hand and um, you do see then they see get it, but yeah it's it's pretty short I mean yeah. I haven't seen the but where I think the director's cut differs from the theatrical here is they linger on Murphy being in pain and trying to kind of walk away from all of this. And he stays alive for a long time, dude. He, well, that, that first that's kind of what's weird about. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what's weird about this scene. I mean, he is wearing body armor, yeah. yeah, but they are shooting him with shotguns and stuff, but like they're, Instead of in the theatrical cut where it just shows them blow his hand off and then they just shoot him a bunch, in the director's cut they blow his entire, entire like arm. arm off. But and then they just continue to open fire on him for a good 
minute straight. Dude. It is absolutely brutal how much they just go in. But that's one thing that Emil says as they're shooting him. They're all, they all run ammo. out of ammo. <laughs> and he's like, hey, clearance. He's still alive. Like, this dude has... There's no way he's still alive. They're really, like... I'm kind of attributing it to the fact that he's wearing body, body armor. armor is why he's still standing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just... Protecting the his sheer organs, fact that his, so you're just blowing yeah. up... You're just shooting all his limbs. But, yeah, I mean, he's got to be bleeding out pretty quick but, at this point. And, again, I love that, like, going back to Cox again, when he's sitting there and he looks at him, does it hurt? Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. As I said, I like his sense of humor. He, he has his little, little one-liners, and I love it. What? Well, even after Clarence walks up and gives him the bullet in the head, you know, he's, good night, sweet prince. <laughs> but Jenny had a hard time believing that he was still alive after all of this. Yeah, no way. Going to the hospital and all of that. Well, I don't know. I mean, how many of y'all ever shot a shotgun? I have once. Nah, I've shot several. You know, because I'm from Texas. No, yeah. but, uh, no, I mean, depending on what kind of shot is in a shotgun, be it a, you know, buckshot, birdshot, blah, 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 blah. They only do a certain amount of damage. So, right. I mean, I mean you have to assume what, these guys are loaded to the teeth with this stuff. They're not yeah, they're, like rocking birdshot over yeah. here. But the thing with a shotgun is, is I mean, it, at close range to go through, but he's wearing that body armor, and it's just BBs. So that stuff is, I mean, like Eric said, it would be more like his organs just taking this blunt force into the body armor. But in the arms, the legs, anywhere where there's no body armor, yeah, it's going to shred him. So yeah. he probably could still be alive until the shot to the head. So. But I think the thing is, is the headshot. Yeah. Like, yeah. how the headshot doesn't take him out. Is people do survive of, shots. But I, yeah, they do. Yeah, I've uh, they've heard stories of people, you know, trying to commit suicide, put the gun in the mouth, and they live. Yeah. And the bullet goes straight through their head, and they still live. So I mean, it is quite possible. It is believable. And, you know, this is a kind of a future. Yeah, maybe medicine yeah. has progressed. Where you can get a fake heart, yeah, exactly. yeah. Long payment yeah. plan. You know, it's sci-fi. We can't we yep. can't talk about the science of it really. <laughs> um, this movie's very over the top and things like that. But the I think the the POV hospital stuff oh, feels dude, very oh, realistic. That's like the most it's realistic, terrifying. scary. Yeah, like that stuff is really good, dude. As a kid, yeah. I thought that's. I think that's why I was so scared to go to a hospital. I thought that's what it was like if you went to a hospital as a kid. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go to the hospital, Mom. Don't ever take me to a hospital. Yeah, that scared shit. One of my fa- one of my favorite things about this movie is how it switches that perspective right there. The POV and how from the moment he's taken to the hospital, we are at Murphy's point of view, and we stay there until he becomes RoboCop. Yeah, and I I love the flashes of him reliving this terrible moment that he's just been through of uh, the last time he saw his family or his, you know, his, his, his moments that he had with his family that he holds dear or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then how he kind of becomes reborn, you know, um, it switches to that POV of him with the, the video screen looking through that and how it's digitized and, and all of that. And we're watching them kind of put him together. And that's a very interesting perspective for a viewer in 1987 i think like having the screen kind of go black and then yeah. have it sort of like go you know snowy and then kind of zap in and you've got this feed that you're looking at yeah yeah i mean imagine being in a theater and watching that, that you know what i mean just being like what what the hell's going on you know and then all of a sudden it almost becomes kind of fourth wall breaking a little bit 
I love yeah. the shot, even like with the grid. Remember when they're screwing the grid in? Right. And it goes, zoom, and it goes in a little bit, and then as they put the extra screws in, it gets closer and closer, and then it goes. Yeah. I mean, that was that's an that's pretty awesome for 1987. It's just I conceptually mean, interesting, you know, like forget the effects or the look of it. It's just conceptually interesting to yeah to have sort of a feed coming in and out and having uh, tracking issues and adjustments to make it look better, that kind of stuff, like you're adjusting a, a VCR or something. Well, like when they're putting him together, they're like talking about him like they're negotiating the features yeah. that the car you're going to buy right. has. Like, mm -hmm. are we going to give him the deluxe package or not? Like, <laughs> first off, how is this even a thing? Like, I know they were strategically placed, but like, he's technically alive. How do they have the he right signed to a release. do this? Did he? I mean, he's got Definitely. like family. I mean, to, to join the force, he had to sign some release. Do they think release. that he's some dead? Small legal type somewhere that. Does his family think that he's dead? Yes. They do. Yeah. They had a funeral for yeah, him. Yeah. So they they think he's, dead. he's he's property of the of OCP. OCP. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Because OCP runs the cops. So. Yep. Yeah, he probably signed yeah. a release the day that he joined, saying that anything that happened to you, your body is therefore owned by OCP. So. That's why ultimately, I mean, ultimately, the villain in this movie is OCP. Yeah. You know, they they run everything from the crime to the cops. It's just it's. I love that that is the underlying thing here is that ultimately the corporation that is supposed to be this big, great thing for everything, the city, the people, everything is ultimately the bad guy here. And, you know, I think that plays into it very well. It's still very true. <laughs> the corporations are yeah. kind of a guy. Yeah, it's hard to argue that, man. But... But we get all these flashes of how time is passing and the little details of, like, when they are having problems, they show the guy, like fiddling with it and he's like like he, he can't get stuff to work right. christmas parties or new year's parties or whatever it is things i love like that. i love when bob shakes the arm shakes his hand yeah. oh the arm starts crushing his hand he could break <laughs> every bone in your hand <laughs> uh but bob you can tell here is 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 really like oh okay i am i am a big shot now um when they're finally done you know prepping robocop i i, I kind of like the introduction to him of they leave it a mystery there for a minute because they're 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 giving this speech about how this is the new the new thing of law enforcement and then they you know they're waving at the camera for him to walk towards them and it's all first person point of view but you get that little glimpse of robocop in a monitor okay. off to the yeah. left yeah. And as a kid, you're like, just show me the damn Robocop. Yeah, he <laughs> like walks behind that frosted glass too and you're yeah. just like you can kind of tell yeah you're just dying to see him but even how bob comes into the precinct and just kind of gives the captain he's like uh this is ocp business you don't need to be involved and they're just coming in and taking over things at their leisure and yeah they just walk right in yeah but you could tell the cops here like oh maybe this is going to help us out yeah well again oh, with the sound the sound design before you see him, you hear yeah, you get you hear that that hum and, you, and, and the yeah, what? Doosh, yeah. What? Doosh, what? like he's walking in. You better look out because he's got a heavy step. This man. And just in case anybody is listening, uh, VHS Files is available for all Foley work for any movies because we can make any sound no, you need. I can do anything because <laughs> Eric any is sound great with his footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> 
But not only do we get introduced to RoboCop here, I love the introduction to RoboCop's gun. Oh, oh dude. That gun is something else, man. I remember as a kid, I was like, oh. And as, as an adult and someone who's not really into guns, like, I had a thing for wanting the these Robocop. famous guns in movies when I was a kid. I used to build guns out of Legos and shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Who didn't? Who didn't, man? We all did that. It's and just like, gonna, you know, some movies have no. notable cars, which this movie does yeah. have at least one. Kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. I, At I least one. Car. It's great. Uh, the 6000 SUX. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, the gun, that's a, a legendary movie gun, I think. That has to be on the short list of classic yeah. movie guns. I would think so. It's like a weird burst fire, like, yeah. giant freaking gun that. Semi automatic and. He could only, I, but, Robocop could hold that thing with his big ass yeah. robot hand. But the the scene they introduce introduce it in too is also just like you've got all this gunfire going on, and of course his is much louder than everyone else's, and everybody's like, "What the hell is going on?" And I like when Lewis kind of sees what's going on, and she starts walking toward towards him. And they're like, "Oh, I like the one the one uh, short lady. She's it's super cop. Yeah, <laughs> it's super cop down there." Or no, the guy says, "Look at the size of that fucking gun." <laughs> But then you've got the Lewis sees all of this going on. Uh, I, I like Bob sitting there with his fingers in his ears, just kind of loving that all this shit's going on. And but Lewis gets that cue of him spinning the gun. I like that the gun is retained in in his thigh. Yes. That is a great little addition to all of this. Great idea uh, for the you know character design. Yeah. Just that he has like a holster in his leg because his leg can be right. hollow if it needs to be. Yeah. Well, but well, I got uh, one little tidbit after this scene. You know, when he goes to to leave because he's he's going to go work. Remember when he leaves and he's headed out and uh, he gets the keys and they throw him yeah. the keys. I read a thing about that. It took them fifty times for him to catch the keys. <laughs> it took one day of shooting for him to catch those damn keys for that one scene. Wow. Well, that's one thing Peter Weller talks about is it was very hard for him to do anything with the gloves on. Yeah. Anything in the suit. Like, it, it, it was very cumbersome and very troubling for him to do a lot of things. In also, it. apparently, there's a lot of shots from the waist up where he wasn't wearing the pants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would imagine the car shots. Like, he, there's no way he could yeah, wear He, he apparently could not walk very well in the pants. Yeah. So, he was, he was pantsless. He was going... Winnie the Pooh style uh, for a good part of this movie. He was RoboCop on the top and Commando on the bottom. <laughs> Josh nailed it. Josh nailed it. But we get that the, the first time of the big iconic music of him going out on yeah. patrol. Dude, I, I still, we talked about it at the beginning. Yeah, I, love I love that, that. RoboCop theme. Man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty epic. It, it's right there with Terminator as far oh, as like the theme for the movies go for me. Yeah. Um, I, I actually just downloaded the album before we started recording. Like, I, I love this score so much. Uh, and it's weird because as a kid, you don't pay attention to the music. Like, you obviously are taking it in watching the movie, but you're not you're not focused on that. And you're not like, oh, this is why this scene is so spectacular is because not only is there cool stuff going on in this scene, this music is making it ten times more exciting. 
And I've really kind of grasped onto that in my adult years and, and really realizing how much score does for movies. And this is definitely in no exception. I mean, this movie, I don't think would be the same without this score. But now we've, we've left and we go to the convenience store and we get our first thing of, uh, I think it's our famous scene of our guy. I'd buy that for a dollar on the TV screen. Yeah. I love that that's just in there and we don't really get any kind of context as to what that is. And everyone you know, thinks like it's he, hilarious. Yeah. Everybody's watching it and laughing their asses off, but we, the only context we get of it is girls and I'd buy that for a dollar. I have no idea what else everyone is going on. Everyone thinks it's here. funny, but it's not even I feel funny. like it's just speaking to the depravity of society. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just people will watch any garbage and it's true. Yeah. They will. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rich. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we hear it how many times throughout the whole movie, but that's our first time we get uh, to it. But then we get Robocop with his first interaction with the ba- our first bad guy yeah, and, and what he and, can do. Yeah. And, and obviously he's going to destroy a lot of, stuff do a lot of damage <laughs> he throws this guy into the cooler and he just leaves him there he doesn't arrest him <laughs> he doesn't take him to jail he just kicks his ass and leaves him there <laughs> well, got I the just, cleanup crew coming yeah, later yeah. i just like how the, the the guy robbing the place knows he's fucked as he's looking because he's literally going fuck me fuck me fuck me fuck me <laughs> that's the only thing he can say yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i mean he bends the barrel of the gun his little oh that is a great ass. effect the the bending the gun barrel just yeah, to I'm show just... how strong he is. There's a couple of things in this scene that have always kind of rubbed me the wrong way, though. Is number one, he's there to rob the place, and he wants the money in the safe. And the safe is underneath all of these beer cans. Empty cans too. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody would put their beer cans all around their safe like that. Like something right. they've got to access every day. Nobody would do that. Also, yeah, what if somebody wants to buy cans? a beer and they pick up a beer and they go, "Oh, there's a safe behind here," you know? Yeah. Yeah. Could... Well. He's obviously seen it because he's been scoping the place out. He knows exactly where the safe's at. But also when the guy who goes to run away, RoboCop clotheslines him and he goes, he flies into the cooler the the wrong way. Well, also when he bends the gun, you know, the guy's holding the gun. So the guy would have to be just as strong to hold the gun so you can bend it for the leverage. Right. You know what I mean? The guy would have to be just as strong. Otherwise, the gun would just, he'd just take it out of his hands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's right. some things, but you know, whatever. But ultimately, it's fun, especially when you're a kid watching this. You're like, "Oh yeah, RoboCop get the bad guy." Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> Go like Robo! You, as a kid, you're like, "RoboCop is cool," but now you know, like, N- now the people in the convenience store would be like, "Who the fuck's gonna pay for all yeah. this damage you just did, you <laughs> motherfucker?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then we've got our second instance where he's going after these two rapists and again these guys are like the like the embodiment of evil like these are not real humans that would exist in reality i mean obviously there are rapists in reality but like these guys are so over the top evil you know the way they're cutting her hair and like just it's just like nasty so i mean mean, and laughing laughing the whole time they're doing it yeah i mean i guess you could find it but that's that's what criminals are in this movie. They're they're just like a completely heightened version of what real humans are. There's no nuance to any of this. Yeah. It's it's these yeah. are bad guys. They need to be exterminated. <laughs> you know. Jason, did you notice who one of the rapists was? Yeah, any the guy. The blonde head guy. I don't, 
I know that one of the guys was in Dr. Quinn, the medicine woman. I know that. <laughs> well, Dr. <laughs> Quinn, medicine woman. But I mean, he went to be a main character in that movie, but his first movie is being a rapist. <laughs> so, no, I, I, no, I, the bl- I didn't reckon. The blonde, the blonde rapist in this is the guy who plays Proctor in all the police oh academy. Oh my God, movies. it is. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, dude. Where's the blue oyster? Right. <laughs> <laughs> they go in there afterwards after the raping happens. But I love that. I love that shot when it's the, the two of them and you get that shadow shot of him getting out of the car and walking up. Yeah. Dude, that is, that is an awesome great. shot. Well, I even love when they're chasing the woman around and all of this depravity is going on underneath this giant sign of Delta city. Yeah. Your, your city of the future or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just it's a it's a nice little statement within that shot of how how really this city is not that great with the people that they have yeah. in it. No matter how good the city is when, that you build, it's still going to be the same. But, you, you know? but we got to talk about the dick shot through the dress, through no, the dress. The fact that it goes through the dress into the dick. The yeah, guy I is mean, that no is an appropriate punishment for a rape. Yes, I mean he. Yes. Absolutely. There you go. I mean he's trying to rape. I'm going to shoot you in the dick. You're now dickless. I like. I won't argue with that. uh, With that police brutality at all. Nope. And RoboCop's even like, ma'am, you've suffered a a trauma. I will contact a rape crisis center for you. Yeah, like, okay, that part's really cool. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like that. Well, also, it shows that, I mean, at least at this point, RoboCop is not able to do what a human cop would be able to do, and comfort. A woman right. who has just right. been through a danger, you know, a trauma. He can't comfort mm-hmm. her in any way. He's cold. He's metal. He says, "I yep. will notify a center <laughs> for help for you." Well, that's all also, he can do. Most most cops aren't equipped to do that anyway. <laughs> Arguably yeah. true as well. Like you need someone who's specializes in trauma. Right. They're not very empathic at all. I agree with you, Jenny. Absolutely. There's a lot of nuance missing here, but I think the point is that a robot can't always do what a human can do. Even Mm -hmm. though he's bulletproof, he can't quite provide everything a human cop would be able to. Like, for instance, if Lewis saved this girl, you know, she would be able to comfort her after the fact, and he cannot because he is robotic. But, um, but his last little adventure here is is I love this. a hostage situation <laughs> with with trying to to rescue the governor in this building and this guy who's taking them hostage is so fucking funny. His name um, is Miller. Yeah, Miller, and they're trying to you know Robocop enters the building. They're like, keep him talking. But <laughs> he goes, first of all, I want a recount. No matter the outcome, I want my old job back. <laughs> Did that remind you of anyone? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody who used to be in an somebody, office. some former someone that I can't, I don't even mm-hmm. want to mention their name. But yes, it, uh, somebody didn't like losing and called it fake. <laughs> First, don't fuck with me. I'm a desperate man. And second, I want some fresh coffee. And third, I want a recount. And no matter how it turns out, I want my old job back. Okay. And I want a bigger office. And I want a new car. And I want the city to pay for it all. What kind of car, Miller? 
Something with reclining leather seats that goes really fast and gets really shitty gas mileage. How about the uh, 6,000 SUX? Yeah. Okay, sure. What about cruise control? Does it come with cruise control? Hey, no problem, Miller. Let the mayor go. We'll even throw in a blah punk. The car stereo blah punk is this car stereo you know he's like no i want a fucking kenwood or alpine and don't throw me that jensen shit either that the heart place was so i mean that pisses him off when he says i'm throwing in a blah punk so i mean he obviously knows his car stereo but i love that whole exchange between him and the hostage negotiator it is just, yeah. and then robo just walks in and takes care of the situation and i the love grabs through the it. wall is is a great Dude. moment as well yeah I was almost thinking, I was like, this guy would have a lot of time to react to this because it kind of happens slowly. But honestly, if someone <laughs> was pulling you through a wall, you'd probably be a little shocked and not really know how to respond to that either. Yeah, one minute you're near a wall, and the next minute you're just getting, like, grabbed by metal arms. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. think about it in a horror movie situation. It's like Jason Voorhees punching through the wall to grab you, and then the machete coming through the other side is very much that yeah. i mean you're in shock you're like there's a fucking hand that just come through the wall and grab me what the fuck yeah i mean and and again <laughs> you've got robocop he punches him out the window i'm assuming he dies like does robocop yeah, i just love how this guy they, right now i love the cameraman he follows him down <laughs> <laughs> the window is like that's a good cameraman if he's not dead he at the very least has a broken jaw yeah I mean, if if you think about the Ooh, fact that he could break style. every bone in your hand by shaking your hand, he could definitely take out your face. <laughs> but it's a good point to talk about some cast members. Almost famous. Yeah, I know that dude. I don't know them. I know her. You, haven't you ever heard of that guy? What, that guy who was in that movie that was out last year. I'm sort of famous for being almost famous. Okay, so I've got to bring up the fact that this is a lot of Twin Peaks alumni in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, first one I wrote down was uh, Miguel Ferrer, who plays Bob Morton. That was my guy for Almost Famous, because he's been in a billion things. He's been in so much stuff as secondary characters. This, Great character this actor. And, yeah, and this and Twin Peaks are probably his most notable roles for me. Uh, he's great in Twin Peaks. Um, he, he was even in the Twin Peaks movie. He made an appearance in the new Twin Peaks, The Return. Um, but you've also got Ray Weiss, who plays Leland Palmer in, in Twin Peaks. Yeah. He was in Jimmy um, Creepers. Yep. He was in the yep. first Swamp Thing movie. Even the old man. The old man is from Twin uh, Peaks. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, he's also Halloween 3 in The Last Starfighter. Yep, yep, Halloween 3. He's, again, the big the, head honcho guy in Halloween 3. Big big company trying to come in and take over the world. So, I don't know. I, but, I mean, I wrote down Ronnie Cox and Kurtwood Smith, which we've talked about them a lot here. I think the fact that we have been talking about them a lot kind of kind of filters them out of Almost Famous well, a little Kurt bit. Kurtwood Smith was on my list as well. I, I mean, I think a lot of people know him from that 70s show. But that that's really his iconic it. role. But like, I don't know that anyone really knows his name, Kurtwood Smith. Right. I didn't know his name. I was like, oh, that's Red nope. from that '70s show. That's how I know yep. him. You know what I mean? Well, but I mean, you think about that. But I mean, even if you think about it, even Peter Weller, he he was the star of the movie. But I mean, he went on to do other things. But he was still never, you know, 
He no, was never, he was a, never list. a Brad Pitt yeah. or a freaking Chris Hemsworth or nothing like that. He was that guy because I mean he went on to do like Leviathan and Buckaroo yeah. Banzai and, Buckaroo and there's Banzai, a lot of people yeah. who've never seen there's a lot of people who've never seen Leviathan. He was a recurring character in Sons of Anarchy for a little while, and um, he's worked with David Cronenberg. He was the star of Naked Lunch, one of Cronenberg's movies. Well, my favorite. <laughs> he was also the voice of Batman in the Dark Knight Returns animated yep. thing. So that's fun. Um, Ronnie Cox, I mean, he like him and Kurtwood Smith are kind of both along the same lines here because. I know them from one other thing and RoboCop, basically. Yeah. Ronnie Cox, I Total Recall, Beverly Hills uh, Cop, and this. That's really about what I've got for him. Yeah. Um, Kurtwood Smith, 70s show. He was also in Rambo 3. I watched yeah. that a lot as a kid, so I kind of recognize yeah. him in that as well. But, um, My dad always if called I were me going a with... dumbass, just like the red in that 70s show. <laughs> <laughs> Loving Yeah, I mean, Miguel Ferrer would definitely be my pick for almost famous here jason did you did you scour the internet for anybody else that's a little less famous oh god i was uh, well you had uh the guy cox the jesse i can't remember his goings goings he was in greatest american hero he's been doing ncis for years uh he was in soldier a lot of matlock um trying to think well you had lisa gibbons man dude she was entertainment tonight so yeah i mean Pretty we big. should mention when, <laughs> Total Recall for Ronnie Cox as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm about Since to say. Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure. If it, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know that. I would have to get, I, I wasn't listening. agree with you guys. <laughs> but It's funny because honestly, Total Recall, like his character in Total Recall and his character here could almost be the same. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got Kurtwood Smith as Clarence Boddicker and then Michael Ironside yeah. basically playing the Clarence Boddicker character yeah. in Total Recall. I totally agree. Yeah. All right. So, our new little spot here, recasting. Who are we recasting RoboCop with? I've got it. Who wants to start? I'm going to go first. All right. I'm going to recast Murphy with another Murphy, Cillian Murphy. Okay. Uh, that could be interesting. He's a good actor. I feel actor. like he's got the angular face features for the bottom half face, you know, yeah. showing. He's a slender fella. He'll fit in the suit real nice. And uh, his name's Murphy, so you can't lose there. You there. Go. That works. That's all I've got. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna blaspheme and talk about the RoboCop remake. No, no. What movie? Out, what are you way. talking about, Josh? What Doesn't the fuck exist. did you just exactly. say? Exactly. Exactly. Get, get them words out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to blame Joel Kinnaman for that because I I like, I no, like him. No. He's a yeah. decent actor. Just but... so we're clear. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, no, I don't have. That was it. Silly Murphy. It's kind of like Jackie Earl Haley in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's a great actor. It was just the sucky fucking movie. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he did a great job. Just everything else sucked. So, what do you got, Jenny? I don't have anybody specific, but just going back to what I said earlier, the 80s and some of the 90s was a very special time where you could be not movie star attractive true and still be the main character in a movie uh, one of my favorite things about 80s 70s films yeah i love it people look real they don't look like yeah they're normal dude look at but nowadays no no way well the only thing that really hurt the 80s was you know 
30-year-old high school kids. That well, is kinda... yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, you, you go back, like, you look at Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood. I mean, a lot of people didn't yeah. find them a trade. They were just badasses. It was the facial expressions, and they could, their, you know, their alpha male thing that they were putting out on TV, that's really all it was. So, but, yeah, you didn't have to be good-looking to be a star back then. So, so where do you... I mean, you want to, I mean, you want to go with someone who's, like, slight and angular in this role. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, he's got the jawline for that. Can he do an American accent? What what do you got, Josh? Probably, sure he can. I honestly, I honestly struggled. Well, well, my question was: is where do we think the hot action co-star? Like, where did it start? Would you say it was Arnold or or or, or Stallone or? Because I mean, even Bruce Willis is was kind of your normal guy. Well, like, Bruce was like, when a, did everybody a have to? That, I think we're, we're you like you say you're going back to like Arnold. You're talking about like when it became like the bodybuilder look of like yeah. an Adonis well, not looking. Even, not even that, but just somebody like so attractive that you could not argue their attractiveness. I don't think yeah. it's I think oh, it, it's even that. It's it's also like the polish. That they have, you know, when somebody's yeah. like, when yeah. you look at like somebody who's famous and you look at when they just got started, they look like a real person. And then yeah. now that they've been rich for a while, they, they, their teeth have been done. Their skin's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Their hair's perfect. Their clothes are perfect. Everything's tailored. They look amazing. Like that's, that's where it, the disconnect comes is yeah. I think the teeth whitening, the, no. the perfect skincare, yeah. the, you know what I mean? The perfect body, the perfect, this, yeah. the perfect, that. Yeah, I don't think you could have cast Rob Lowe as this in the eighties for Rogue. It's, it's like <laughs> it's like Friends season one versus Friends season six when they're all millionaires, and you know what I mean. And they they suddenly look incredible. In the beginning, they look like actual people who could exist, <laughs> you know. But by then, they're 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 all millionaires and like I live I share an apartment with my friend and we sit in a in a in a boat. No. Oh, you're a millionaire. Okay, well, Jason just gave me my recasting because I would totally cast Rob Lowe as RoboCop. <laughs> Rob Lobocop? <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. You you have the right to an attorney. Cast Chris Traeger as I would cast RoboCop. Chris Traeger as RoboCop. <laughs> well, you are literally the worst criminal I've seen today. <laughs> <laughs> well... This week I went with like, how else could we screw up RoboCop? Even though, yeah, I mean, the, we will say that this movie has been remade. They have recast characters from this movie, but we're just making our own fun but, uh, here. So, so I went since you know maybe they could do good at it, but it would it probably end up being PG thirteen. I did if Disney slash Marvel recast RoboCop this week. Okay, so my uh, Murphy would either be Sebastian Stan or Paul Bettany. But again, you Ooh, said Paul the angled jaw. Yeah. I was like, that would work. Uh, Lewis, I was going to go with uh, either, what's her name? Evangeline Lilly, the one that plays Wasp. Because she kind of is a badass in that. She kicks freaking Paul Rudd's yep. ass. Yep. Scarlett or, Johansson all hey, day. I got Scarlett Johansson right next to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on the same. But in reality, it would be like Megan Fox. No, we're no. This is Marvel. This it. is Marvel, not saying, Michael Bay. I'm, not Michael Bay. I'm just saying. But uh, Sergeant <laughs> Warren would be uh, Don Cheadle. Uh, uh, Cox, Cox, and we should just 
We should just do RoboCop with the Avengers. There we go. Not not the actors. Like <laughs> there you Iron go. Patriot would be. <laughs> they, uh, Cox, because of the laugh and the goofiness, that's Ryan Reynolds. Uh, uh, men, whatever is the, the Asian guy, that's Benedict Wong. Uh, <laughs> a meal because he's is, Asian. Yeah, uh, no, shoehorn him in there. Okay, no, no, because then I got a meal is Michael Pena from Ant Man. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dick Jones is Sam Rockwell. <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah. The old man would probably be William Hurt, a or slash a cameo from the heavens, Stan Lee, because he's the old man. Yeah, uh, that's Bob okay. Mor- you can do that. Yeah, Bob Morton would be RDJ. That would well, honestly, like because he could play the little Eric asshole. That's true. Snorting, that's true. He snorting cocaine later. Hello, it's RDJ, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like if we're doing Marvel as RoboCop, how is Iron Man not RoboCop? No, because I, it's, no, because I, I, I agree. I I'm agree, going with yeah. the, He's an inventor. He invents things. He 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 made Vision and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Ed two oh nine is Andy Circus. <laughs> well, I mean, he's the voice of everything else. So. Uh, but uh, what did I have? Oh, Clarence Boniger, just because he's a bad motherfucker. Samuel Jackson. Oh my god, <laughs> it's actually pretty good. It's, pretty it's actually funny. pretty good. Yeah. That's my. I was trying to go with a theme this week, and I was like, if Hollywood could fuck it up again, I've, you, I, I, I love my Marvel movies, but if it's not rated R and people aren't getting blown up and the hands flying, it's going to be a fuck up. But I would say this would be my Marvel recast. Wow. So, but I do like that you said actually do the Avenger, their actual Marvel characters as in the individual character. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think that would be fun. That would be pretty fun. I like that one. All right. Well, I want to play you guys one of my favorite commercials that they do in this movie. <laughs> oh, dude, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of death. death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. <laughs> Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuke them. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler. Get them before they get you. <laughs> Perfect. That is one of my favorite commercials oh. they do. And the, the 6,000 SUX one is With pretty good, With the freaking, like, T-Rex looking thing. And I love how his eyes go boing out of his yep. head. I love that one, too. Okay, so now Bob has become a big, big shot. He's vice president. The RoboCop, the RoboCop program has been a success. He's even on the news, uh, hanging out with the kids in the area and stay out of trouble. <laughs> So Bob's got a, a pretty good moneymaker on his hands here, and he's starting to get a little cocky, I would say, um, hanging out at the OCP building, talking to his uh, his fellow coworkers. But he starts talking some shit about Dick Jones here, and uh, Dick Jones gets happens him in some hot water. Yeah, Dick Jones happens to be sitting in the stall taking a shit when they walk in there, which I love. <laughs> the, he's got his pants around his ankles. Yeah, <laughs> the shot of yeah. the pants the around the ankles, looking at them like, using the urinal. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. He's dropping a deuce. <laughs> there he is. He's wrapping it up. But my favorite part of that whole scene, there might be some things we get to here in a little bit in an- another segment, but my favorite part is when they realize Dick is in the bathroom. Oh. Wait, that sounded weird. <laughs> but <laughs> everybody everybody clears out, and the guy next to Bob is like, I got to go. I got a meeting. And he just pisses, pisses all over yeah. his pants. <laughs> Dude, I mean, 
I was like, dude, you don't dude, get the, don't do the whole Frank and Bean scene here. You know, he's trying to zip it up and get the fuck out. Dude, and he's like pissed running down his leg. But they've told us from the get go that Bob is or uh, that Dick Jones is not somebody you want to fuck. They're with. absolutely right. Um, we yeah, we and, soon and learn that you that he is very you dangerous. Don't, you don't fuck with the dick. Yep. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but Bob decides he's going to play his hand. He's like, well, you know, I, I jumped on an opportunity. You fucked up. I took over. Now I'm the big wig around here and you're going to have to play my game now. But this whole exchange between him and Dick really kind of shows like just how much, you know, he is a power player and he's not going to put up with any of this. And he tells Bob, he's like, you better hope that that monstrosity of yours doesn't fuck up because it's going to be your ass. The part well, I it like is anyway. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The part I, mean, I like, or I, I'm kind of disturbed about the exchange. I mean, all right, they're in the men's bathroom. You just got through dropping a deuce. I just got through pissing. And they're standing like dick to dick, nose to nose. And Dick Jones, now he walked right out of that fucking stall and started talking to him. He grabs Bob by the hair. Oh man, what like a power essential move, right? moment. And I'm like, dude, you just wiped your ass with that hand and you got your hand in my hair. Yeah. You know? What a power move. You grab him by his hair, like in the bathroom. You're like, yeah. that's you just fucked with the wrong guy. Yeah, it's Ronnie Cox is, is awesome in this movie. He, he plays such a good bad guy. Um but yeah, I mean, and now is where we start to see where using uh, an actual person as part of this RoboCop program can start to be problematic because you've got Murphy or RoboCop at this point who's starting to kind of have dreams and seeing memories. these flashes and memories. And I like that scene where they're supposed to be observing him, but they're, they're, they're not, they're being lazy. And he, he like, I think um, Peter Weller does a lot of good physical acting here just because it, it looks like it's painful to him mm-hmm. and he doesn't really know what's going on. Um, it plays for a really good scene, in my opinion. Jenny doesn't look too impressed. I don't no, know. No, I actually like this part. Probably my favorite part of the movie is when he starts to realize yeah. that he's a person. I, I think Weller does a good job when he's sort of, when Robocop's sort of glitching out. Mm-hmm. His... Uh-huh his mannerisms and his expressions, they don't look super like human. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he looks like a machine kind of glitching, uh, but Mm -hmm. with human, a human face. And I don't know. I, it, it all plays really well. I mean, his face is so like you say, angular and, and sort of, you know, something about the way his face looks works so well for RoboCop. I, it just, it's just, it, his face is so clean i think that's part of it too like this is not a guy that has like a five o'clock shadow like his skin is Mm -hmm. like super smooth almost looks synthetic you know (laughs) what i mean and his his features are so uh defined i don't know yeah when he's whenever he's glitching out as robocop it has this weird unsettling vibe to it that doesn't look quite normal yeah i love i love the whole body thing i mean the whole chest you know, lunging forward, back and forth, and then he's standing up, and it's like yeah. he's grabbing in, and then he has that memory of where Clarence shot him that last time, and he's like, boom. And yeah, I like I like when off. that yeah when he when that shot to the head hits, he snaps out of it, and he's like, okay, I've got a, a mission now, yeah. um, and he goes straight for it. 
you've also got Lewis here who encounters him in the hallway, mm-hmm. and this just adds to the confusion that he's got going on. And she says, Murphy, it's you. It's you. He doesn't really know how to process that information. Um, it gets her in some hot water with OCP because they think she's been like feeding him information or something like that when she's really just kind of being a cop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the open door that Dick needed to kind of see, okay, well, now your project's going south. And he start, starts to kind of play around with things and... This is where Bob starts to kind of lose it a little bit, too, because he doesn't know what's going on, but he doesn't really see it as a problem. He's like, he had a dream. So what? You know, <laughs> this this isn't going to be a problem. He's gotten very cocky with where he's his position now. So and ultimately, it's it's going to be his downfall here shortly. Um, but I I like that RoboCop now has this purpose. He's got a mission he's going out on like they don't do a whole lot about describing how he's going on assignments or what he's supposed to be doing. If he's just supposed to be patrolling and and dealing with crime as it comes, or if they give him specific assignments. Uh, But I do like now that he goes after these people that he's seeing in these visions and his first encounters with the meal at the gas station. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always thought this scene was really good. Dude. Uh, I like him as a meal as a character too. I think he's one of the more, (laughs) For other reasons as well, but and we'll get to those later. But I think he's more more of a standout of one of the <laughs> the bad guys, and uh, but I like his whole exchange with the guy at the gas station here. He's like, "You a college boy or something?" <laughs> like he's just <laughs> fucking with the guy the whole time. He's pointing an Uzi in his face and nonchalant smoking while he's at the <laughs> the gas pump. It would really suck to be a civilian in that town, man. It like, would. Yeah. You're just completely helpless. And I, the actor that plays the guy in the gas station, too, conveys that really well because he doesn't say a word. He just kind of shockingly responds to the things that Emil is saying to him and never utters a word. But Yeah, I mean, uh, in the same way that uh, criminals are pure evil, civilians are completely helpless. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're, we're really dealing with, like, basic, like, I don't know, archetypes or whatever like a very yeah. simple mm-hmm. label of a yeah. character type yeah that's that's the other thing about this movie is a lot of surface level stuff about it is very simple and it's a movie that can easily be construed as a dumb action movie but I love that they <clears throat> do smart things with it I like when Robocop approaches the gas station and he says that line, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And that sparks yeah. that memory in Emil. He's like, wait a minute, I know you. We killed you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you um, can see it's, it's, and it's also fucking with uh, RoboCop slash Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> what a thing to have said to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, whoa. Yeah, and when he gets on this, the motorcycle and drives off and that gas station explodes, I've watched this scene quite a few times. There is an actual person standing in that in the drive where that gas station is when that explosion goes off you can see them walking away from Dude, it yeah i had that like, in my notes is like that is a practical effect there's no cgi flames nothing it is a guy in a suit walking as that's blowing up because they always in a lot of 80s and 90s movies they just go back and you know superimpose somebody there in the flame 
No, there is an actual stunt man that is walking away shoot with the gun shooting at Emil's motorcycle. And, and since I you guys love are, that scene. Since you're mentioning that, later when they get those big rifles and they start shooting them around, there's oh, yeah. there's some pyro like explosion scenes that you know you can see Kurtwood Smith like going like this and in the shot yeah. and and like he's in the explosion like real close you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. uh you know just like deflecting things i realize we're audio now it's really cool that the the flames from this explosion engulf robocop mm-hmm. too like almost like he could have been part of all of that and been destroyed but he walks out of that fire just ready to gun him down and and, and takes him down um, that's a really cool scene that leads to another very iconic portion of RoboCop is he goes, all right, so he's found this guy. He wants to find his accomplices and you get the, I don't even know what you would call it. The antenna, but I just called it a fi- the made, fist made to look like a bird. I called it a hacking spike. Is that what you called it? <laughs> hacking spike. Cause he hacks the computer with it. Dude, that's the, yeah, that's, the I mean, orig- that's a good name. Dude, that's the original USB dongle right there. Yeah. Shot out of his say. <laughs> Plug it into the freaking computer. That's that's where the USB, USB dongle started. Yeah. Lightning lightning cord. <laughs> I got a lightning cable for you. <laughs> I love how that uh, it's cool too. The, the special effects on that too, where it shows his knuckles fold back and yeah. that come out. I was like but yeah. it's kind of cool also the way he's looking at the guy when he's saying you can't do that and it comes out he's it's like robocop shooting him the finger like fuck you right. i can do what i want i'm robocop he also in this hacking thing he sees murphy deceased oh right and he's he starting to put together the pieces yeah and he goes to his house and all that stuff and that's a cool scene too when he goes to the house and is walking through there and all of these things are starting to come back to him. He's seeing these rooms, and now he's revisualizing mm-hmm. these dreams and, and these memories. I like the automated real estate agent, too. Kind of feels yeah. like that we have nowadays. Sort of kind of like that. Yeah, like yeah. we've already yeah. got kind of video conference stuff going on. and That whole thing with him going through the house, and he freaks out. Because, I mean, he's starting to realize he was a person, like as yeah. what Lewis told him. But I like the little snippet before we get to Bob's house of him going to the club and he to go after Nash. Yeah. And Nash tries to kick him in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> he just grabs him by his fucking hair and drags him out of the damn club. <laughs> I love do you think, that. Do you think Christopher Nolan was doing a callback to this? Because uh, it's RoboCop going through this club to bring a bad guy in. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do that in the dark night when yeah. he's going after Fal- uh, Falcone. Oh, that's is right. that his name? Yeah. yeah. And Batman's in the club beating the shit out of people <laughs> and he drags him out. Like I, every time I see this scene now, I think about that scene in the dark night. That's a good point. When Batman goes in the club, but, um, no, yeah, I love that. He Nolan drags Nash out big, by his hair. Nolan must be a big RoboCop fan. You know, he's got, yeah, I, you know, he's got Joker based off Boddicker. Killing off his own man. Right? We're starting to figure Christopher Nolan out here, people. He's just derivative of Verhoeven, man. That's all there it is. Well, if anybody can figure out Tenet, let me know. I haven't figured that one out yet, but I figured it out. It's anyway, just, oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about this scene to me is, and we've talked about Boddicker chewing up the scenery and all of his scenes and really kind of going for it. He doesn't utter a word during this entire scene from the moment he shows up this whole time, he's just very cold and, you know, chewing his 
bubble gum. And shooting and, and Bob it, in it, the legs multiple times. Again, another great use of squibs in this oh, scene. No. Like, it looks like he's shooting him in the goddamn kneecap. There aren't enough people getting shot in the legs in movies. I'm just going to say. No. It. It's always like, kill them or or don't shoot them. But, like, like particularly in... This is really off topic, but like particularly when you have a good guy and he's caught the bad guy and the bad guy calls his bluff like you won't kill me. And then the bad guy ends up getting away because of it, because the yeah. good guy doesn't want to kill them. Sh- kneecap that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. He'll sit right there. You don't have to worry about him for the rest of the movie. Anyway, but here, go here we on. go <laughs> back to what y'all talked about. Earlier. It's a Nolan reference in the Dark Knight Uh when he goes there in the bank scene when Joker shoots the guy in the kneecaps and he's on the floor. There you go. Here we go again. There you go. Nolan just totally robbed everything out of this movie. I always loved the digital grenade. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just the, the design. Of the How it's got the digital counter on it and everything. Yeah. But but again, even though he's not saying anything, he's still like he, uh, Boddicker takes the pen out with his tongue. Oh, the tongue, yeah. He really <laughs> does make the most of his screen time. He does. I think I think he, like I said, he, he didn't really understand it a whole lot when he got the script, but he went along with it anyway. But I think he was just like, I'm going to make this my own. And he really, like, I would say if you're going to pick an MVP of RoboCop, I'm going Kurtwood Smith all the oh, way. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, uh, yeah, Ronnie Cox too, but yeah, I yeah. think Kurtwood Smith probably takes it. It's kind of a pair because, I mean, Ronnie, Co- or, you know, Dick Jones probably doesn't work if Clarence Boddicker is not as right. They kind of, yeah, is, they kind of you know? uh, complement each other. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to play a clip here. And since we're talking about Kurtwood Smith, um, this is where RoboCop's going after everybody in the cocaine factory. Dude, <laughs> cocaine <stick> factory. factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. It just sounds so funny to say cocaine factory at this point in time, but it was the um, 80s. Hello. Yeah. And, but this is another example of him chewing the scenery, but I want, I want to ask you guys something in this scene. You make a lot of my friends nervous. A lot of people would love to see a guy like me, a guy like you out of business. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not making myself clear. This right here. Yes. What the fuck is he doing? He dips his fingers in the guy's wine and sniffs it. And then he drinks it. And then that guy drinks it. I got the muscle to shove enough of this factory so far up your stupid wop ass (laughs) that you'll shit snow for a year. Might be blow this cocksucker's head off. Shotguns, baby. Guns, guns, guns. guns. I love that. Come on, Sal. Tigers are playing. Two nights. Never miss a game. I never miss a game. I mean, that's (laughs) that's the stuff. It's shit like that. No, see, that that stuff is like like Nicholson's Joker. I mean, just doing weird stuff that doesn't even, like, certainly Mm -hmm. wasn't in the script. Just some weird idiom, some weird yeah. line, some weird behavior. Dipping your fingers in his wine and sniffing it—it's just yeah, it's just it makes so no strange. Sense. But it it makes you uncomfortable, and 
Yeah, yeah that it's, really yeah. is what puts him over. It's yeah. just such a great... It, it reminds me of that whole scene from Batman when he zaps the one mob boss and he goes yep. and he... And I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love that whole... The whole that, that's what that scene reminds me of. So Well, this was, you know, when WAP was a bad word. I yeah. think it still is. I would think it's still kind well, of... I mean, it's still it's a... Been it's, still a well, it's, it's been rebranded. It's been rebranded, but it also still means the other... Both ways, it's yes. arguably questionable, but yeah. 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 <laughs> but if you needed a scene to showcase just how badass RoboCop is, it was this one. This is a great... I mean, just kick, this is a, kicking the door the down. One of the classic 80s shootout scenes, I would say. You know, just as far And the score going yep. behind it. And cocaine um, flying everywhere. I mean, there is cocaine okay. everywhere in this scene, just yep. exploding in clouds of every direction. Okay. It, all right. And during this scene, we see RoboCop just going through. There's how many gunmen in there shooting, right? There's like 50. He's, I think if you watch when RoboCop comes in the room, he does a tally of how many people yeah. are there, but I don't know what the but, number is. But, I mean, is. there's 20, 30. being shot yeah. and everything like that. Because I remember he says, was it come quietly or there will be trouble? And then they just start yeah. shooting. But I, I love the, like, turns his head, no look, shoots the guy in the a freaking crosswalk above him, and then he goes up yeah. under his arm and shoots that way. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it is, uh, it's a great shootout scene. He's already zeroed in on everybody. He can just shoot in whatever direction and get them. It's really good. Um, takes out a, he takes out one of Boddicker's goons well, the, here. It, he takes out Ming, man, Ming in this one. Yeah. Um, almost takes out... Joe in this one knocks him off or no, he doesn't knock him off. Somebody like smacks him with a shotgun and he falls off <laughs> yeah. on the rafter or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's he pretty shoot, funny the way it happens. Yeah, he shoots a guy and the guy hits, hits him with a gun. Yeah. There's some fun yeah. little domino stuff in this thing too. Cause RoboCop shoots a guy and the, as the guy's dying, he sprays his machine gun sideways and shoots and Sal. shoots and takes out Sal takes out yeah. one of his own dudes. <laughs> uh, the the showdown with him and Boddicker here and RoboCop just throwing him through every fucking piece of glass that's in this place. It's awesome, yeah. Uh, and Boddicker's face once this is all over, but I love his whole... Like, this is where we get... I guess it would have been the big reveal at this yeah. point in time. Well, no, because you've already seen him take out Bob. Yeah. But, you know, Boddicker's playing his cards now. He knows if he doesn't do something, RoboCop's going to take his ass out. And he plays he plays his ace here. He's you know I work for Dick Jones. Dick Jones, the head of OCP. OCP runs the cops. You're a cop. And this is where it takes a very interesting turn for me is because okay, RoboCop now knows that OCP is involved in this, um, and <laughs> he takes Boddicker in. I love that. <laughs> book him. <laughs> He's a cop killer. And again, Kurtwood Smith. <laughs> MVP award right here. Spits blood. blood on the paperwork. Just give me my fucking phone call. <laughs> he really is like, he steals every damn scene he's in, dude. Man, Ro he, Robocop he's so good. Up too, he spits I mean, blood on yeah. Robocop, too, at one point, right? Yeah. So, like, he's spitting blood everywhere. This guy is un untethered. But this whole exchange between Robocop and Dick Jones is great because Dick Jones knows that he can't do anything to him. I guess you better take me in. And 
the fact that they've introduced this directive four here. Well, we haven't we haven't they listed did it at the his directives yet in this conversation. So yeah. let me just go over what his right. prime directives are. Yeah, they're serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law, and then there's the fourth one that he doesn't really get to see until now. Yeah, because it come up when he was first activated, right. and it, and it says like, any yeah, attempt. Any attempt to arrest a senior officer of OCP results in shutdown. Yeah, because what did they say is Dick Jones is what he was telling me. He says, I, this is my contribution to you is he went in and had it put in because yeah. he knew that eventually he'd probably find out that he's a corrupt guy. Yeah. He's, t- he's trying to take over Detroit or Delta City, whatever you want to call it. So. I have a knock here. And I have a knock on the film. Here's my hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. He, I, Dick Jones says, you know, any attempt at an arrest officer of OCP results in shutdown. Well, he attempts to arrest Dick Jones, so he begins to mm-hmm. shut down, right? But then right. he stops shutting down, and he gets back up and fights at 209. Well, why didn't he just shut down? I mean, I know you say, oh, then there's no movie, but, right, you know, it's a it's a problem for me. He All should right. just shut down, and then, they, you know, that should be it. Then maybe they boot him back well, up that's, later. This is, this is my argument to you. Okay. Because he's not 100% robot. His mind is still contributing to him. That's why he is fighting. That's why he doesn't shut down. Because even Dick Jones says, ah, I see you're fighting it. Because he's not shutting that, down. God his damn it, Jason. There's the flaw. Yeah. You, you got me. You got because, me, bro. But if you even notice, during his fight with Ed 209, he's not 100%. Because No, Ed yeah, he's clearly glitching it. out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. Ed 209 is fucking him up there at the beginning with the freaking machine guns and the little freaking uh iron man mach one rockets (laughs) jones is used to jones is used to the programming of a machine his robot is you know a fully 100 percent robot do what it tells him yeah like and he's he has this uh, conversation with clarence after all this goes down he's like this is a cyborg he's part you know part living yeah tissue he's not a full robot can be killed so he can fight that. So, yeah, that, that gives – I think Eric brings up a good point, but Jason has countered that. I mean, it, it is it is yeah, probably I'll the whole – Yeah, I'll concede that point, Jason. You got me. On yeah, that. heart of the movie is the fact that he still has human left in him, so he can kind of withstand that. This, this fight with him and Ed 209 is fucking brutal, though, and then – I like that Ed 209 is bested by the fact that he can't walk downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing too is that RoboCop can barely get downstairs. Uh, you know, right? Uh, it's he kind of looks funny when he walks down the stairs because he's just like kind of wobbling yeah. like a. But uh, <laughs> I really like the broken visor where you get to see yeah. Murphy's eye because we're really starting mm-hmm. to see Murphy take over the body. We're starting to see his humanity, yeah, and again. you, yeah, yeah, that visor is broken, and you see that human eye behind there and you and he's less of a robot now he's more of a cyborg the biggest thing about this whole scene and everything that goes down is this when he gets to the parking deck and the cops are surrounding him well i mean he's just basically you know going to be martyred they're of the thinking that this is the guy who's going to make our jobs easier and now they're having to take him out and like you've got these group of people in his precinct that see him as a fellow cop not as a as a robot. Right. And especially with, with Lewis's character who sees him as the, has never seen him as RoboCop only really sees him as Murphy, you know? Yeah. Um, but what were you going to say? Eric? I was going to say, I really like his escape of rolling between the 
parking yeah. garage. Parking garages. Because I've always wanted to climb down those levels. Whenever I look down, I'm like, I want to climb down to the other level. So he just does that little roll back and forth, boop, 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 all the way down. I love that escape. We're back to Christopher. We're back, back to Christopher, to Christopher Nolan, Nolan again in the parking garage. Holy <laughs> With shit! With the parking garage scene. What is happening? All right. Well, here, Eric. Here is your chance to get me back for earlier because okay. this is why I brought up the scene of the cocaine shootout. Okay. He went through all those bullets, all those shotguns, never sustained an ounce of damage. Then yes. why is it when the cops are shooting with regular guns is all of a sudden he's sustaining damage? Was it because of his human side taking over and him being crippled? Or was it just like, this makes for a better movie, that the cops are, can actually inflict damage now? That's a good question because, yes, up to this point, he has been basically bulletproof. Invincible. But he did just get shot by the giant ed 209 rounds so maybe we could say that his armor has been sort of knocked up a little bit and damaged yeah, because like it know. shows him where he gets shot in the leg and he actually goes down like because it, it hit a right. solenoid or something on the back of his leg but i mean he was getting shot up like crazy in the cocaine scene but it's a good point a well sudden, it actually we can respectfully respectfully say that the cocaine scene there's probably not nearly as many people there as there are cops in this parking garage. Oh, yeah. That's true. He I would say there are far more cops. And he was fighting back in the other scene, whereas this time they are just literally unloading clips into him. Yeah, it's just And he's already sustained a lot of damage from Ed oh, 209. So I can I have no problem believing this scene. I think, you know, if if this were any normal human being, they would be mush on the ground. He is still fully, you know, he's still functional. He can still move. He's just damaged. So I I don't really have a hard time believing this. Not to reference Nolan again, but the cops have turned on our hero. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) But if you notice, it's the SWAT people, like the OCP guys that were at the, uh, uh, yeah. The, the first thing where the, uh, the hostage negotiated is those cops that are the ones shooting, but not the guys from the precinct where he was from. I think also right. there's, you know, just a, an emotional difference between criminals shooting him and the police, his own side. His own people. Right. He doesn't, he well, won't shoot also, back at them. He won't fight back at them. He just simply is trying to get away. So, right. Well, I mean, his, his third prime directive uphold the law he, he can't he can't fight back and against a police the, officer and protect the innocent yeah. which you know in this yeah. movie all cops are innocent at this point though he's been shot like a million times he has to have some sort of ptsd response which you don't see i mean he's you know rediscovered his humanity like it he would be a puddle like he wouldn't be able to function he needs some baby food too he's got to be point. hungry at this point yeah well, you just brought up a really good point that I haven't thought about. You know, Murphy lost his life combating the criminals in this town. And he almost loses his life again as RoboCop in the opposite fashion. Now he's got all the cops unloading into him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really weird, yeah. like, comparison of how he lost his human life and not like... I've never really thought about it in that respect before. And yeah, like that would be traumatic as fuck. Yeah. Even, you know, even though he is a cyborg now, like he still is human. That's what this yeah, whole thing is about. Yeah. Well, like, and to build on what Jenny was saying, uh, when you're a robot, you're not afraid of bullets. 
but when you start to right. have human emotions and everyone's shooting at you, you get scared, right? I mean, yeah. So maybe that's part of it too. Is he's mm-hmm. he's starting to feel human, human feel fear. He didn't have any fear when he was RoboCop. He just would yeah. walk right into it. But luckily, he's got Lewis, who still sees him as a a person and not he's a thing. He's always Murphy, and he's always Murphy to her. And she she saves the day. She drives off, even though the cops are opening fire on her, a fellow police officer. But now they've really gotten to the point where the cops are striking because of everything that's everything has gotten so bad that you know the cops start to go on strike. Oh, hold on. Uh, well, just I forgot to mention earlier the police cars. They're four Tauruses. They're eight. They're eighty-seven four Tauruses. That was my first car. Uh, wow! When I got my license was an eighty-seven four Taurus. Of course, I got my license in the late nineties, uh, so it was not a great car. But <laughs> Clarence has gone to see Dick Jones after all this has gone down. Um, but they have their whole conversation about you know anything you've said is is admissible. It can it can out me in any kind of you know, any sort of anything he's done can be recorded and out me in all of this. Right. So you've really fucked up and I need you to take care of this problem. And I, I like the exchange with him and the secretary at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He pulls his gum out and sticks it on her name. Cause plate. he's just like, a he's massive just such asshole a, to everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's terrible. Uh, but he, he tells Dick Jones that he's going to need some major firepower. He's like, do you have access to military weaponry? And he says, we practically are the military. And again, it just goes to show you how deeply rooted this company is and everything that humanity really holds for protection. Right. You know, like the bad guys are the people that are protecting you. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. They've got their, they've got their fingers in everything. They're just, yeah. And that's any different than everyday life. There you Arguably go. Not. <laughs> uh, but they definitely get their hands on some major firepower. Those fucking guns. Like if Robocop's guns badass, this one is second badass. Like what this thing these things might as well be firing explosives. Uh, yeah, I mean, why weren't those guns mounted on Ed two oh nine? Make yeah. it even more effective. I mean, I guess he's not really built for that. I don't know, but yeah, these guns are amazing. It's kind of a fun scene watching them sh- shoot just random crap. I, I like when Boddicker yeah. shoots the... Joe's car. The, yeah, <laughs> the SUX. The SUX. The SUX is, a, a, I guess, an Oldsmobile Cutlass. And they yeah. added they added a, a, basically like the opposite of aerodynamic additions to it. Like if you <laughs> were really to kind of look at... I never really looked at it... Uh, closely but if you look at the way like elements are added to it they're all facing the wrong way <laughs> like it's this yeah. car sucks dude now like, i have the- a question i have a question about that when cox leaves the police department because they went on a uh, strike he says i was strolling out and here was this car sitting in the uh parking lot or whatever i was like was that the car that was supposed to go to the hostage crisis <laughs> i thought about that That's as funny. i watched this one i never put that together i went wait that's I why think, the car was sitting there. It was they had pulled it in there to go negotiate with the uh, Miller at the That's definitely possible. Thing. I I took yeah. it as OCP just hooked them up with as much as they needed, 
to take out RoboCop, but maybe well, you're was, right. Well, maybe that, yeah. that was just from that. And well, Clarence had his. He pulled up, but he like he said he got he was uh, Cox got arrested because he was the one that got knocked out. They took him in. Yeah. And when he got out, he said the car was sitting there in the parking lot, and it had the price uh, tags and everything on it. My, uh, I like when they actually meet up with Emil. He's sitting there watching this TV show uh, while people are looting around him, and. Uh, Clarence says, how was it? How was time in the slammer or whatever? He's like, oh, it's great. I got to keep the shirt. And he's still wearing the shirt with the, with the barcode on it and stuff. Uh, but they, they tear up this town, man. Like this downtown area gets absolutely fucking annihilated. Dick Jones also gave them a tracker to track RoboCop. So they know exactly where he, he is. He gave them an iPod. An iPod. <laughs> They've invented everything you, else. Let's say they invented the iPod too. If you look at that prop the first time they show it in the movie, it's just literally a light, light blinking on a yeah, thing. Not moving. And then later, yeah, and then later they actually superimpose a screen onto it. Yeah. It's it's something I've caught in my many rewatches of, of like, this movie. Old Star Trek tech. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely. But all right, tell me if you guys noticed this. They said he's at the mill and it's the middle of yeah. the night, right? It's okay, like well, it's dark. It's dark when they're shooting stuff up, but I think it's supposed to be like early morning. in the morning. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then, yeah, I mean, she shows up and it's daytime when she brings him the drill and everything. Yeah. And then uh, she's laying down later. But they're at the steel mill. And this is when you get them taking RoboCop's helmet off for the first time. I do after I, all this is gone. I, down. I do I like, like the, the drill. Yeah. When yeah. He's drilling out that long screw through his head. Those are like three inch long screws. I mean, that's that's wider than your head. They're really unnecessarily <laughs> yeah. long. Yeah. Let's face right. it. Like they probably met like this, this in, in, in the skull. Like, that's how they completed the circuit. You know, they went through and they touched. There you go. But I've got to say the the makeup on Peter Weller here Dude. is astounding. It is great, and it holds up. Like I can't I can't find the seams and where where his head stops or where his head is and where the makeup begins like it looks amazing to me yeah i agree fully and they also have the conversation about you know murphy had a wife and son what happened to them she tells him about the funeral and all of that stuff it's a little heartbreaking when she talks about all that stuff yeah. I thought he was dead so she moved on yeah so. um but now we've got our, our our final showdown here uh they've come to the steel mill to take out robocop they've got their firearms with them and um, this scene's great, and there's a lot of things I like about it, but I do have issues with it. Um, but, well, you know, they're cruising through, and sometimes when they shoot these guns, when they're firing at RoboCop, they don't have this big explosive, uh, like, every time they were shooting things before, things were just blowing up all over the yeah, place. Yeah, like they were shooting a RPG like, or something. Yeah, like an explosive yeah, And now round. conveniently, like... They're just getting like little teeny shots here and there with these guns, so it's a little inconsistent. Uh, but it, it's not enough to. to not ruin only that, the they're movie a bad shot. Means, I mean, there's but... a couple times. Was it Nash had had him lined up and didn't even hit him? <laughs> Nash I, is I, almost useless. So yeah, I wouldn't yeah. worry too much. He, he he he's pretty good later, but he sucks at shooting guns. Yeah, I mean Nash can yeah. operate a, a crane, crane, okay, yeah. but not a gun yeah. so much. But he kills Cox but, right here. He actually yeah. kills him. One of the, yep, I mean, and I'm, I'm I like frankly his, a little relieved when that happens. <laughs> I like his whole thing, like when they, you know, when he tosses the thing to give him a distraction, he goes, "Looking for me." <laughs> it's great. Oh my god, the looking for me is is something else. I mean, as far as like 
I mean, he had the, the jump on him. And he says, looking for me? And they all get to turn around and shoot at him. With this targeting yep. system, he has to get away. away. <laughs> all he had to do was go boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah movie drop over. Him. Especially Boddicker first. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing I have a big issue with. This is they go and like Boddicker takes off in the car and goes around this steel mill. Like, we don't know how big it is, but Robocop is moving at a snail's yeah. pace <laughs> throughout <laughs> all Good. of the. Because, yeah, I, and somehow he still ends up in the same place as, as Clarence does later. There's a lot of humor in this movie, but the funniest thing to me is that scene where the geography gets thrown out of the window and they're all looking around for Robocop and it's like, there he is. And he's like, yeah, gunk, 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 walking down. A, <laughs> and then I was like, there he is. Gunk, gunk, gunk. It's like, how is he covering Dude. so much ground? He took. He t- I'm telling you again. He took notes from Jason Voorhees. Friday Thirteenth, <laughs> exactly, dude. He yeah. could just pop up anywhere. He knows. He knew exactly where he was going. Oh my but god. One of my favorite parts of the movie is here, where when Robo walks out and Emil sees him, he's gonna try to run him over. Yes. And he runs yeah. into the toxic waste, dude. Dude, I love this makeup for Nasty. this. It is so. This good. scene is the reason. This this scene, like the first time I saw this movie as a kid. This scene is why this movie became an instant classic for me. Uh, unbelievable. Bot, bo, botine, 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 botine. I've said this man's name wrong so many times on this podcast. I want to formally apologize to the man, but <laughs> I've only seen his name in type and I screwed it up. But uh, amazing. I, this, I mean, obviously Robocop looks great, but like a, a, a man melting from getting doused in acid his yeah. his fingertips melting off yeah, and like the bones yeah. sticking out down um and again you want to talk about sound in this movie that sound that like <laughs> dude charlie can my son charlie can do that perfectly perfectly I, I wish he was here i'd have him do it for the podcast but i mean so nasty, and I love how uh, Nash is so runs into him. He goes, oh, don't touch <laughs> "Get <me."> off me!" <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that, that was I had that wrote as a quote. Says, "Don't touch me, man." We are all Nash. <laughs> like, get away yeah. from me, dude. But if, if that wasn't the best thing we'd seen so far, the dispatching of Emil is really what seals the deal. Exactly, here. you set that up so like, beautifully. He is. He's done. You know, Amelia's done. He's not coming back from this. <laughs> and then, I don't know. He's like the Toxic Avenger, dude. He probably like like regrew everything and stuff. Like, like that, his so. bones are jelly at this point. He he explodes like a water balloon. When I hit him with the car. He, he I, gets fucking liquefied, <laughs> dude. And I love that when he does it, you see the head like slide across the hood of the car. Yeah, it got, goes completely over the car. Like, it's great. That's. Well, let's talk about some quotes real quick. You're going to need a bigger quote. All right, Jason, you got a tagline for us? Uh, I remember this one from the movie poster, The Future of Law Enforcement. It's pretty good. They good. had that one. And then it I like it. Part man, part machine, all cop. That's, that's, that's choice. I normally shit yeah. on these, but that is... That one uh, That's good, my though. favorite tagline that we've covered in this entire... Our entire series. Yeah. All right, Jenny, you go ahead and kick us off with Jenny, your quotes. Kick us off, Jenny. All right. I don't remember where this was in the movie, but he says, minor glitch. 
Temporary setback. <laughs> that's, Dick jo- that's Dick Jones up in the when yeah. 209 shot the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dead or alive, you're coming with me. That's probably the most iconic yeah. one of Great. this. Yeah. And uh, terrorism is a very tricky business. <laughs> yeah, that's, that one's good. Uh, after Lewis gets in trouble for talking to Murphy, uh, the the chief, the police chief guy, says, forget it, kid. This guy's a serious asshole. <laughs> Jason. Oh, I see. Uh, I'm going back to the beginning of the movie when Murphy first shows up. And the one guy says, where are you, uh, where are you from? He says, Metro South. He says, welcome to hell. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. Like and he one. was right. Uh, I got it one. Well, we kind of touched on this, but I really love when he brings Boddicker in. And he says, book him. And he says, what's the charge? He's a cop killer. Like, also, these guys don't know who Boddicker is. <laughs> He's already right. killed 31 cops. Anyway. He's on the news yeah. and everything. <laughs> like, He's like, what's the what's charge? The charge? <laughs> oh, jaywalking. What do you think? <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, uh, there's when he, when Robocop is uh, approaching the rapist, mm-hmm. he shoots the one guy in the dick and he goes, Your move, creep. The other one. <laughs> I've always liked that one. There's that one that I, I've actually line. used in my life, actually, quite a lot. Josh has probably heard me say it. It's when he mill, when they get the guns and he shoots it and he goes, I like it. I like oh, it. That is a yep. great one. Yeah, I love I, that's that. been like sampled, I think, in things. Oh, yeah, like, I, I feel like I've heard that many times. If I get something, I always drop that one. I, I um, we're actually not to it yet, but I like when Lewis, you know, she gets shot, oh, and you know, yeah. uh, she says, "Murphy, I'm a mess." <laughs> kind of <laughs> like that. I can relate. I'm a mess too, Lewis. I feel you on yeah. that one. I got one more for myself, but it, we haven't got there yet, but, and it won't explain too much, but I like that. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Yeah, that's oh, good. Oh, yeah. Murphy. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, a couple from Clarence here. Uh, cops don't like me. So, I don't I like cops. I love his nasally then, voice in this. Well, I, yeah. It's kind of his voice, but I feel like he leans into it. Maybe it's just because he's younger you know, than right. some of the other things i've seen him in but he's so nasally and you know he's bald he's got the glasses he's kind of you know he's not your stereotypical like bad guy he looks kind of nerdy almost you know yeah maybe it was allergy yeah, sure. season when they were shooting it and he was all stopped go. up yeah allergy season <laughs> and i like can you fly bobby i like that one too yeah. i'm still gonna go with give the man a hand <laughs> <laughs> That one's good. Now, we also have some choice words from Dick Jones here. I remember when I was a young executive for this company. I used to call the old man funny names. (laughs) Iron butt. Iron butt. Boner. And then asshole's the last one. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, wait, wait. I just realized the way that Eric said that, that it was totally uh, sounded like some old... uh, George Bush, Boner. I'm gonna call him Boner. Read my lips, <laughs> Boner. Boner. Uh, um, Lewis is chasing Clarence, uh, Clarence around in the cars. They're having the car chase. Yeah. And that's and then I think she runs him off the road right here, and he goes flying through the air. Yeah, and he crashes in the little puddle there. Um, you've got Nash coming in from the other side of things too to kind of back up uh, Boddicker, but. This is where I also have logistical issues here. Like 
RoboCop was just way the fuck back there <laughs> where they drove way far away from. And now he's just magically, he's, he's pulled another Jason Voorhees yep. and he's magically where all the action is. It's kind of weird. Also, we yeah. haven't really mentioned the Christ allegory here. You've got a rebirth with uh, Murphy into RoboCop. Now he's walking on water. <laughs> we, we've got some Christ connections here. Little Christ connection. I've heard people talk about. Yeah, this, this is not my idea. I mean, this is something people have mentioned, and you know, it's worth noting when we've got when we yeah. got him quote unquote walking on yeah. water. In this I just puddle. think it's funny when Clarence gets out of the car that just flipped through the air. He hops out and he shoots freaking Lewis from that far away with that freaking gun, dude. He's like a dead yeah. shot. I mean, he hits her like three or four times, and she goes rolling down the hill into the water talk about it like effects the look of that all that metal falling on robocop really holds up like i'm oh, sure there's some yeah. kind of i don't know what i don't know if it's a perspective thing or if it's a you know a, a composite or something but even on the blu-ray i mean i don't have the arrow blu-ray like josh over oh, here like sorry, sorry. goddamn josh do. over here but none, none on my stuff. on my lowly peasant blu-ray that i watched uh it <laughs> looks really good i mean it looks like freaking robocop got a bunch of freaking bars dropped on his ass freaking 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 they were probably all foam it looks pretty pretty real <laughs> to me no man that look did anyone see um did anyone see peter weller after this film or did they actually make him into a cyborg <laughs> they actually dropped steel on <laughs> and then he died that was the last day of filming they just they just killed his ass no, oh, he made boy. a Leviathan after this, I believe. Oh, okay. I do like so that, that Clarence plays plays kind of dumb. He's like, hey, I give up. You know, he's he's like, you have to. But RoboCop's through with this shit, or Murphy is through with it. He's like, I'm not arresting you anymore. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's. Uh, yeah, you can't appease but, to my, uh, yeah, my duty anymore. But then we get the return of the spiky USB. Yes. Well, all its glory. Dude, um, this is another part of the of the director's cut they, that they that was longer because for a good 15, 20 seconds, it just shows Clarence spurting blood out of his neck. It's <laughs> <laughs> just really, really bloody. But I liked that shot of like him stabbing Clarence in the neck, and then when he pulls it out, all this blood just spills onto RoboCop. I love that shot. I like we we mentioned we mentioned that you know. Uh, Lewis's line of Murphy, I'm a mess. I like Robocop or Murphy's response here of they'll fix you. They fix everything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really kind of telling for all of this. I, I think that was a pretty cool line. And, and, and honestly, I didn't really understand it for the longest time being younger, watching this movie, but after all of the context, this, you know, the, the subcontext of everything going on and then him saying that it's like, Oh, that totally makes sense that he would say that at this point. Um, but now he's got him some firepower again. He's got one of these guns and he takes out that Ed 209 back at OCP. Just, I love the shot of just the legs walking towards the door and falling <laughs> over. My favorite part of that is the toe wiggle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Little toe twitch. I love when his toe, like he does that on the stairs too, his little yeah. toes wiggle. Dick Jones has jumped at this opportunity. Well, RoboCop failed. Now I'm gonna reintroduce Ed 209. I've got I've got one guarding the building now. Like he's still really into his project here, presenting to everybody at OmniCorp again. 
Um, <clears throat> but he didn't expect RoboCop to come throw a wrench in his plans this time. Uh, and I like that he he opens the doors. He's he's all tore up. He's not wearing the helmet anymore. He's, right, he's Murphy now. You know, yeah, he is Murphy now. Um, but I, I love that the old man is even respectful of him. He's like, you know, that's a pretty serious accusation. What's your charge? Um, and all that. And but and he he puts it out there. He's like, I can't arrest a member of this company. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that is a great. That is a great like just idea that. All the old guy has to do. All, all the old guy has to do is say you're fired, and then he's like, "Thanks." Well, just like <laughs> when he shows him the evidence with the the, the spike, and it's still got dry like dried blood all over. Oh it, yeah, plugs it into the player. I love it. I like that they kept it real, like that it wasn't clean or nothing like that. It's like this just happened. It's still covered in blood. Well, that's the thing about Dick Jones too. Here is is he's been so careful to keep himself out of things, and that's why he's doing what he's doing at this point is because Boddicker has leaked him out. Yeah. When he took when when he was going, I guess he had thought the shutdown had happened with RoboCop. But why would he say those things? Why would he spill his guts to RoboCop in that moment, knowing that there's a possibility he could have been recorded? That is, you know, he a good t- point. He tells Clarence that. Yeah, he's like Clarence, you in the idiot. Next scene. Yeah. yeah, you idiot. He records everything, and then it's like, well, dude, you already. I guess just arrogance. I, he, I guess he had put his faith in Clarence that he would take him out, wouldn't have to worry about it. But now he's got yeah. this serious problem. Hubris. Yeah, he's it's yeah. just this power hungry person that's just like nothing bad is going to happen to me. These guys are going to take care of it. I can say whatever I want to you. You're not going to fuck with me anyway. Because yeah. your your life's coming to an end, but obviously it didn't work out that way. But it it goes down great, you know. The you're fired. He fires on him and goes out the window. We're going to talk about Dick Jones falling out <laughs> the window here in just a moment. Yes, we're going to um, talk about Dick Jones. <laughs> but I love that the final line of the movie. I, I, I shoot and son. What's your name? And he's he's now he's no longer RoboCop. He's Murphy. Yes, and you get the smile. And, yeah, yeah, it is a great ending to the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The fall aside, and then with that score, that score yeah. kicks right in, right into the the heart of it, and it's just it sends shivers down my back every yeah, time I finish is, watching it. That is, movie. The, the score is so good, man. It really, yeah. it really is, man. It, and yeah, you're right. That that mo- it ends on such a high note. All right, well that's it for RoboCop. Now it's time for the good, the bad, the ugly. Come on, Eric. (laughs) Jenny, go ahead and give us your good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, I really like the social commentary about, you know, everything in the film. The militarization of the police, police being owned by corporations. It's all very relevant today. Uh, The bad is that guy's laugh. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. I hated it every single time. It totally took me out of the movie. No, don't want it. Bye-bye. No ugly? Nah. nah. Wow, no ugly. I was totally expecting her to go from good to ugly. <laughs> Eric, go ahead with yours. Okay, my good is when uh, RoboCop slaps Nash's hand, uh, gun out of his hand in the club, and the dancing guy catches it and just starts dancing with the gun. <laughs> God. <laughs> that is great. I love it. He just points it at the girl in front yeah, of him. He just keeps dancing. No problem. Uh, 
bad is the laugh. Uh, Cox's laugh, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they get to the, the gun shooting scene. It's just like over and over. It's annoying. I yes. Like um, and ugly. The dick fall. <laughs> uh, now I had to. I will go. I will go ahead and wor- tell you my my ugly is Dick Jones and, falling out the and window for a three peat. My ugly is Dick Jones falling out now, the window. I knew there had to be a reason for this to look so bad. Did Did you guys look into this at all? Or I saw that they did like a clay figure and all of that because they didn't want to do the whole Die Hard thing and actually drop the guy. Right. Well, but, a- apparently. Uh, you know the 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 puppet that was modeled and used was in the correct proportions, but due to the small studio space, they couldn't raise the camera high enough, and they were using a wide-angle lens, which makes the uh. arms look really long. long. Uh, so the lens is what makes those arms look so ridiculously long and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks <laughs> terrible. I mean, it's bad. It, it, I would have rather just seen him fall out the window and that's it. I don't even need to yeah. see him falling. Cut that shit out. It's awful. Yep. But that's my ugly. Carry on, boys. I'll go ahead and do my good. Uh, my good is the RoboCop suit. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it's super iconic. I-, I I love the fact that it's clunky and he can't move fast. I think that just adds to the nostalgia for me. I, I just I-, I love the way it looks. Um and my other my other good is Kurtwood Smith just chewing up the scenery throughout this whole movie. I think he's definitely one of the best parts of it. And I do not have a bad. Woo! I, I could not uh, come up with a bad about this oh, one. Oh, boy. Wow. All right. But you, Jason, but you, go yeah, for okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> You've already had your turn. I know. I'll shut up. Um, the good for me, uh, I actually had it down the same thing. Kurtwood Smith uh, in his... Dude, I just love this character. Like I said, he is, even on that 70s show, he is still Clarence Bodiger. So to <laughs> me, I can't unsee that, the na 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 thing, all that stuff like that. Uh, the special effects, again, uh, Botine knocked it out of the park with everything he's done from the howling and the thing into this. The the robot effects, the melting man effects, all that stuff. Dude, it, is, it still holds up today here in 2021 yep. from Looks 87. Great. It just looks great. Uh, and I even liked a little bit of the, the social thing here for the whole, where the director was trying to do the whole gender neutral thing, even back in 87, when that wasn't because in 1987, if you generally saw half naked women on TV, it was because they were there to get your attention. But he was trying to do it as in, hey, these are male and female coworkers working together, and that's how they see each other as coworkers. They don't see each other as a sexual object. So I thought that was pretty good for 1987 for him to do that. And then he's gone on to try to do it in a few other movies. But, yeah, and then my ugly, it was like Eric said, a falling dick. So. Ay, ay, ay. Shame. All righty. Oh, oh, one more. I even have a better. Cox's laugh because it's fucking awesome. Fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You say so. Well, that is our conversation about RoboCop on this episode. That was a fun one. I, I'm so glad we did this movie. I love this movie. I could talk about it for hours and hours and hours. But I do not feel the need to talk about this movie ever again. So, 
glad we got it. I don't think Jenny will be on board for when we do the sequels because if she couldn't get through this one, the sequels are going to be very hard. Here's the thing. (laughs) I enjoyed watching this movie. I don't feel the need to watch it again. Like it's, it was just a fine movie to watch. (laughs) I will continue to watch this movie over and over and over. Actually, and I don't mind RoboCop 2. It's the ones after that. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Two's, Two's good. Two is still pretty decent for a sequel, but not as good as the original. I say own it, Jenny. Rent. Jason. Own that bitch. That's an owner. Eric. That's an own. All right. Okay, well, we're going to get back to a regular schedule here soon, but again, we're going to go to the Wheel of Movies. Come on, Vanna. For next week. All right. Can everybody see the wheel? Yes. And it has to make All right. at least one full rotation. Yes, I get it. You guys shut up. <laughs> Gave me all kinds of shit about it last it, it week. Went, it it all went right. four clicks last time. <laughs> so you see the kind of movies we have on here. Yeah. And here we go. We're spinning the wheel. Okay. It is a good spin. I'll accept That's that spin. Oh, oh. Hey, hey! I love this movie. I love All right. <laughs> Le- next week, we are going to be watching La Bamba, another one I watched quite a bit as a kid. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to talk about first this. First time watch for me. What? Oh, yes. All right. You get, some, you get a little bit of music history in this, too, right. man. The day the I'm music excited. died, man. It's fun when we get to watch something that somebody hasn't seen. I like that. I think there may be some time coming up where we may do a couple of uh, movies where none of us have seen them or very little of us have seen them in a row and talk about them a little bit. So we don't have any nostalgia to get into. We just take, you know, coming into them fresh and talking about them. But next week we will be back with La Bamba for everyone. Until then, be kind. Rewind! Have a good night. Get the fuck out! It's over. You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It was fun. (laughs) Send your questions, comments, and movie suggestions to vhsfilespodcast at gmail.com. Using one too many movies. Don't you blame the movies? Follow us on all social media outlets at VHS Files Podcast. Movies don't create psychos. Check out our YouTube channel for more content. Movies make psychos more creative. Thanks for listening. Actually, uh, fun story. I drove it for about a year. Uh, the gas gauge didn't work, uh, amongst other things. And one day I, I drove it home and I went inside and uh, I heard my dogs barking and I went out front and it was on fire in my driveway and it just caught fire. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I had to call the fire department to come put it out. Uh, and it was, of course, destroyed. So that's I, every time I see those cop cars, I'm like 87 Ford Taurus, my baby. <laughs> that freaking Clarence was giving it to RoboCop, dude, shoving that spike into him. RoboCop's on his way to get dick. And then he shoves another spike into him. Really like, giving it to him. He's, he's really giving it to him. <laughs> you like it, don't you? I bet you like that, Jason. We're going to talk about falling dick.
He works for Dick. <laughs> I'm hip to your kids, Jive. I used to call people asshole. I mean, you're you're really doing Carvey's Bush, not Bush. Yeah, but I like that one better anyway. I like Carvey's Bush more than Bush. Yeah, but so. say who's you like? So you like Carvey's Bush? Wait a minute. I love Carvey's Bush, <laughs> and you love Dick in this movie. Would you stop talking about Cox for once in your life? Anyway, <laughs> his, his name is Cox. Dick and Cox. But uh, check out my dongle over here. I he is starting to drive me insane. He's losing it. Yeah.